all of this will be used against me in the court of podcasting. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Court, and I am a podcaster. That sounded like an AA meeting. Hi, my name is Court, and I'm a podcaster. Hi, Court. <laughs> I can't Court, stop talking please. about movies. <laughs> Gonna mute all the channels. You've been here before. You know the drill. Already? Yes. Okay, here we go. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, stupid, cruelly unrealistic, and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hawks and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. Joining me in the room this week and smelling even more worse for wear than usual is Matt. Takes a lot of work to bring you this. What the fuck is that? The head of Alfredo Garcia. Dude, I asked you to give me head, not bring me the head. No, you said in the text message you were very specific. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. I so st- I did. <laughs> that was the name of the movie. You killed some dude named Alfredo Garcia just for the show? No, I just found a grave. Oh. Yeah, that's why I had to do all the digging. That's why things just got fucking sexy in here now. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. We're reviewing a movie this week? Yeah, we're supposed to be talking about Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense. I was wondering after digging through the sixth grave, trying to find a somewhat decomposed, but not totally decomposed head, that this might have been weird. Yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah, I I better go watch the movie. Why don't you talk to the guests? Hey, Rod, how's it going, buddy? I'm I'm fine. I'm just wondering, um, did he bring it in in a bag or was it, uh, say, perched on a portion of his anatomy? No, it was on a cooler. I am not a savage. It was in a cooler. Thank you. <laughs> it's a surprisingly well-preserved head that is rotting quite a bit. And because Matt is really good at preserving things like his liver and alcohol, it's also in a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Although I drank some of the head alcohol. I just want you to know that. (laughs) Is it anything like head cheese? I don't want to know. Yes, it's exactly like head cheese, but you need to be careful with that stuff, Matt, because it will get you gorch rot. It's not enjoyable, (laughs) but it's getting the job done. It's been two fucking years since we had you on this show last, Rod, and I am so sorry that it's been that long. That's insane. Well, when you said it had been that long, I honestly didn't believe you, and then I checked back and went, oh my God, it has been. That's madness. It doesn't seem that long. Well, I think a lot of the reason was when we were 
looking to have you back on. I think you and Troy were both super busy with a super secret project at the time that you couldn't tell anybody about. <laughs> Later oh, to yeah. find out that you're doing commentaries for Shout Factory. And did you do one for Mondo Macabro as well, right? Uh, yeah, we did one for Mondo Macabro and uh, six for Shout Factory. Yeah. That's insane. You guys did commentaries on Nashi films. That is so awesome, dude. We got very lucky, I have to say. Uh, we kept plugging away at the Nashi thing long enough that uh, the rest of the world caught up. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of incredible. I think you guys are single-handedly responsible for Shout Factory deciding to pull the trigger on that. I'm going to give you guys all the credit whether you earned it or not. Oh, that's really nice. I don't know that we can take all the credit, just most of it. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you guys weren't out there slogging away, bringing out podcasts on a similarly quarterly basis, um, sort of. <laughs> Uh, it slowed down considerably <laughs> once we uh, once we ran out of the movies. It really got difficult to keep that going. So yeah. <laughs> well, and you guys have kind of found a way to to bring out other episodes by having you know yours truly here, gentle listeners of the Cinema Psyops. I've guested on there telling yes, my own yes. personal Nashy uh, stories. I think we we're probably going to try to have you back uh, late summer, early fall, because uh, we want to start having guests on to talk about not just Nashy but uh, the occasional. Uh, other Spanish horror films, so you and I will be having a talk about that pretty soon. Awesome! I look forward to ruining your numbers by showing up on your show and having nobody want to listen to it. <laughs> Nothing can ruin our numbers after I had to switch from one server to another, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of dreading that, but luckily I found a way around that, thanks to our boy the witch. He actually discovered it through his Google Foo on how to switch over when he went to Legion and then pass that savings and knowledge on to me, and therefore our numbers have kind of remained pretty much the same and then we got a boost once we went to legion so there is that well the download numbers have remained pretty good it's just a question of all that uh back information all those download numbers you know like 175,000 downloads that now just evaporated so i can't like point to this giant six digit number and go see we're awesome <laughs> oh that's the worst yeah i don't think any of that would have carried over either once we switched over i don't think those numbers would have gone either so and i don't know a way to fake it either god knows i would have <laughs> we faked it because we stole a bunch of numbers from Hail Ming over here. You know, I kind of hacked into the system and did that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to be talking about that in a public forum? Uh, we already kind of coped to it. And Bo kind of gave us a, a, a stern warning and then said, while you're at it, do that to other networks for ours. Not that I did. <laughs> and not that he asked that. He would never ask that. And also, we can't talk about liking to give rim jobs. We can't talk about that yeah. anymore. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's strange what ends up behind black bars just anywhere and everywhere. Well, for Matt's black bar, it's more like a tiny little square. <laughs> oh, but uh, hey, guys, I did want to thank you for having me back for a second go with this. It's kind of like, uh, well, have you ever been in one of those situations where you're pretty sure it was a one night stand and then... <laughs> You know, she asked you to, to like, you know, come over again. And, you know, you're really excited about it at first. You're like, yeah, man, I'm in there. This is great. And then you get nervous because you're overthinking it. And you kind of <laughs> blow it. It's just like, I'm just hoping that doesn't happen. So <clears throat> I'm wearing the extra strong underwear tonight. <laughs> 
just to kind of hold it all back and make sure it's good. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go crazy here, but you know, I am sweaty and I'm kind of concerned that I might blow it too soon. <laughs> well, we actually, when we had you on for the Wild Bunch, I had made an overture stating that I would like to cover my favorite Sam Peckinpah movie, which is Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. I with already the- did. It's right here. <laughs> Shut up and put that back in the cooler. <laughs> all right. <laughs> cover it not caress it he's doing a lot worse than caressing it he's drinking through the neck hole mm. that's not cold filtering that's yes. corpse filtering that's good stuff that's right kind of gross mm. and i'm saying that so that that's is, that's saying something that's awesome <laughs> but you know we talked about it we kind yeah. of alluded that we'd like to have you back on and then it just never happened and then i got my hands on not one but two copies of blu-ray versions of bring me the head of alfredo garcia the first one i pulled the trigger on the twilight time whenever they reprinted that and then like maybe like a month or two later after i did that this is my curse i buy something rod and then sooner or later either arrow or another company releases a better version of it that's a brand new scan and i'm like you fucking bastards you couldn't have told me this was on the horizon but it's it's not just your curse man it happens to all of us depending on the film you know, it's a 4K scan. It's a region B only Blu-ray from Arrow, but I pulled the yep. trigger on that one. And when that one came in, that's when I was like, oh, I'm not just going to leave this on the stack. I got to get a hold of Rod and schedule it. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, this is my pick because I'm like, Rod, you got to talk about fucking Sam Peck and Paul again with us. Oh, no problem, man. I'd be glad to go through like the entire career of Sam Peck and Paul all the way through the Osterman weekend as as weak a film as that. I'd still be willing to sit down and talk about it. Well, my love of Sam Peckinpah gets worn a little thin past like this and Straw Dogs and Wild Bunch. Some of the like really hardcore Westerns like Ballad of Cable Hogue and stuff like that. Not really my flavor, not really my cup of tea. I got to have. Have you seen uh, one of my top three would be Cross of Iron? Uh, You know, I've heard of it. I just have not gotten my hands on it. I know it's out there and I know that's one that I need to check out, but I've I've never done it. Man, you need to see it. It's a Sam Peckinpah film, so it's not as if uh, it's a really simplistic film in its theme. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that. I mean, I don't think any Sam Peckinpah is really something that you can just take on face value. You kind of have to dig a little bit deeper and see what's underneath and what's a little more subtly being stated to you. Yeah. Although he does frame it around extremely slow motion shots of horrific violence that is <laughs> out of its time and way ahead of its time all at once. He was a genius in editing and in action cinematography, so he knew how to put things on screen that would, uh, well, catch your attention and kind of not let you turn away even when you felt like you maybe should. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So before we actually dig any deeper into Sam Peckinpah's career and, uh, well, really just kind of kisses dead ass <laughs> like we're kind of doing here, maybe we should talk about, I don't know, Bloody Pit of Rod, a little bit of Nashy Cast, let everybody know where they can find that. I mean, they obviously oh. should know about your shows because if they listen to this show, they should know because I play your promos, but... <laughs> Uh, And I swear I'm finally going to get a promo for the Bloody Pit together. I'm already working on it. I've been working on it for uh, three years now, so it's almost complete. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's terrible, man. Uh, the NashaCast is still going strong, or at least uh, going. We did a couple of episodes right at the beginning of this year because it was kind of the eighth anniversary. And then uh, we plan to do a couple more here in the next few months. It's busy. It's very busy. But the Bloody Pit's going strong. We're about to drop a new episode of that one. Uh, Troy and I sat down and talked about uh, Sex and Fury. 
<laughs> oh, that's a movie. That's yeah, not. I know. Like, I love that so. movie. I'm excited to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about that with uh, our buddy Jason, and then um, got us several more on the boil. Got uh, got to continue the 70s science fiction stuff later this summer. More Antonio Margariti going on later on as well. And uh, man, I don't know what else, but we'll see. Well, that sounds like you guys got a lot of stuff kind of on the horizon, but it's just a matter of kind of getting together and getting it done, right? Well, I don't think anything's really going to top uh, the Coffin Joe episode that you and I just did. Uh, that may be the finest podcasting I've ever been a part of. I'm just going to say it right now. That episode, I'm very proud of the work that we put in on that. And I can't wait to move on to the next segment with you and do the uh, at midnight, I'll take or this night I'll show possess your corpse. I always get the titles confused. I know. They're not interchangeable. They're very different, but at the same time, they're multi-word phrases and so it gets confusing fast. Well, you know, first you take the soul and then you can possess the corpse. That's how it works in the the naming of the films. (laughs) (laughs) And then after you possess the corpse, you become the embodiment of evil. That's the way it should work, shouldn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. But no, you really should be proud of uh, the work you did on that uh, Coffin Joe episode. That was great. Uh, You really brought it, man. I think you and I just have a good play off of each other. And uh, we found a way to kind of talk not over each other that entire recording, which is not something that happens on this show ever. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's just over there playing with his phone. He's like, you guys go have your romance thing. I I don't want to be a part of this. I don't know, man. I don't know anything (laughs) you're talking about. So I find I just I just stay out of it when it comes to this gnashy nerd stuff that you guys got going on. Well, we almost ended up in a fist fight the last time you talked gnashy with me. So it's probably for the best I'm that you stay saying, out of it. I just say I'm like I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna get involved because if I know I do, and you're gonna bring up Star Wars, and then yeah, we're gonna end up fighting. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I had a hard time picking music for this episode. I wanted to have songs about severed heads or Ooh. people, you know, people carrying around severed heads or collecting a severed head. Yeah. My options were death metal mm-hmm. and songs about the headless horseman. And There's, you couldn't, couldn't find any like Mexican cantina music. Not about fucking severed heads. No. Well, my, they might have been about fucking a severed head, but yeah. they weren't about carrying around a Why severed head you for have a the bounty. Song that's about fucking a severed head. Because that's for the fuzzy fun times and the alone times for court. <laughs> that's romance music. It's romance. It. <laughs> it's date night. <laughs> Playing our song. So what I what I opted for instead was just basically songs about either being an alcoholic or being drunk. So I'm for it. Because that fits Benny perfectly. Yeah, man. And also you, because you are the Benny of this show. I really am. <laughs> Only without all that like deadly driven force and purpose baggage that he has. I got that. I'm just really lazy about it. <laughs> That means you don't have it, though. I do have it. Okay, well, we're going to have this argument off air. While we do that, we're going to take a little break here. I'm going to play a promo from the Nashy cast, because it's the only promo from Rod's stuff that we have right yeah, now. All right, well, I'll, I'll do better, I promise. <laughs> we'll have a little bit of music about alcoholism, because that fits our character and Matt Psyop. And when we come back, we'll have the trailer for Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Hello, everyone. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for Nashy the podcast about the films of Paul Nashi. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes, now, what is it that qualifies two Southern boys to talk about films that came out of Spain? And I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Nothing. nothing. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi Cast yes. covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. Uh, Yes. If you love beautiful women wearing 
incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures, <laughs> chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, mm-hmm. vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. <laughs> yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. <laughs> Blood that looks Shab- like melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf. Howl of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Or Arises from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Ooh, yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. Just like Matt Stiop, Benny only drinks on days that end in Y. That's right. <laughs> I'm very responsible that way. As long as you have it under control. Yeah. Well, since every day ends with Y, you're drinking every day. Yeah, but it's under control. <laughs> it's under controlled situations where you only drink on days that end Listen, in Y. I have OCD, all right? And I have to drink every day. <laughs> You're just going to drink until you get it right? It's a part of it. <laughs> That's a part of it? Yeah. You know what I'm going to do until it gets it right? What's that? Play this trailer. I need another cold one. This is Alfredo Garcia. He's about to become a very important man. We are looking for an old buddy of ours, a compadre named Alfredo Garcia. A private army is scouring three countries to find Alfredo Garcia. Well, don't worry if he's alive, I'll find him. Alive isn't our problem. Someone has offered a million dollars for his head. If I ever get my hands on him, I'm going to kill him. All that we require from you is physical proof that Garcia is dead. And we're prepared to settle for his head. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. This man will become an animal. Alfredo's our saint. He's a saint of our money. I want to take it to him. I love you. This woman's dreams of love will be destroyed. I've been here before. You don't know the way. Innocent people will suffer. With Alfredo's help, we can do anything, honey. Holy ground will be desecrated. You don't want me to be part of that, do you? You are a part of it. 25 people will die. Just being together is enough. No, it's not, baby. All because of Alfredo Garcia. And only one man really knows why. Kill him. Sam Peckinpah. Director of the greatest adventure films of our time has made possibly his most powerful and startling motion picture. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Now, the trailer actually didn't say that at the end. I cut it off from the beginning and put it there because the trailer put it up, you know, like in text. Yeah. And then told you who released the film and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which 
works great for a trailer that you can actually see the visual parts of. Huh, who needs that? Yeah. So I kinda... <laughs> Only listening to things is where it's at. That whole visual shit, I tell you, that's just a fad. It will never go anywhere. Yeah, we are the best movie review podcast for blind people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've often thought that that should be the subtitle of the show. Yeah. <laughs> People shouldn't even have to go see movies anymore. Just let us watch them, and then we will describe them to you. That's what most of the stuff that we cover some people end up doing. Yeah. Where they never watch the movie, they just listen to us talk about them. So is the next podcast for perverts who don't want to watch porn but want to know what's going on, so we'll watch the porn and then let them know? That's kind of the plan for year four, tentatively. (laughs) (laughs) Do you consider it a success if people hear you talk about a film and then don't want to see the film? Not necessarily, but it depends. I mean, like when we covered Horror House on Highway 5, I was okay with people like, yeah, I listened to you guys talk about it. And I feel like that'd be way more entertaining than watching the movie. Yeah. But we had the opposite reaction to that one where people were like, it's really that insane. It sounds like it broke your brains. I need to watch this now. It's almost like if we like the film and we really like, you know, lovingly pour a whole bunch of sugar on the film and talk about how wonderful it is. Then people are like, yeah, I haven't seen it and I'm not going to watch it. But if we're like, this was really fucking weird, man. I don't, I have no clue what's going on. How about this? Then they're like, I got to see that. As long as they listened, we feel that's a win. Yeah. (laughs) If they put us in their ear holes passively, we're good. I don't even really care if you enjoyed yourself, if you still listened. (laughs) Which coincidentally is his lovemaking style. He doesn't even care if you enjoyed yourself. (laughs) I really don't. As long as it's over with and he got to do it. (laughs) It, It's the worst three seconds of your life or the best three seconds of your life. He doesn't care as long as he gets those three seconds. Hey, 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 hey. It's five seconds. Remember OCD. I can't have three. That's a fucking weird number. (laughs) It's a holy number. I thought that would appeal to you as a Catholic. Well, I don't know Wait, that much about it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> fucking Jesus. I would like to do that. Did you get into some of the head booze here? Or <laughs> Yes, I've been <laughs> drinking the head booze. Speaking of getting into some severed heads, let's talk about Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. I already did! <sighs> the name of the movie, dude. Oh, right. <laughs> the film opens up with a teen girl in desperate need of an abortion. Well, I really wrote that in my notes. <laughs> Goddamn! Court must have been in a mood when he watched the movie. <laughs> and we get off to a rousing start. Okay, so I guess I mean she's pregnant. Is yeah. that what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what you're saying. Shit. Okay. Someone so, forgot her Nuva ring. Yeah, let's restart that then. Yeah, yeah. So film opens with a teenage girl who is pregnant, lounging by a duck pond with her feet in the water, caressing her distended by fetal tissue stomach. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> you need to seriously think about therapy. Yeah, he was in a mood when he wrote this. I hate babies. Uh, you really do. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you baby. think about it nowadays, she's trying to hide it from her dad. Uh, it, this is like a current day movie. She get her own reality TV show on um, MTV. I don't think she's trying to hide it from her dad. I think it's just more or less trying to hide who the father is, but we'll uh, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But things happen. All right. So after the breeder is rubbing her stomach to be really happy to be infected with offspring, her joy is momentarily interrupted by a woman telling her that her father is looking for her. He wants her to come talk to him. She basically says she doesn't want to do it, and the woman sits down with her and kind of snuggles up. I guess this is her mother, or at least someone that cares yeah. about her well-being and therefore takes care of her, like an old nanny or something, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell, but... I couldn't remember lady. if it's her mother or, yeah, or just a servant. It's, lady looks dressed for a funeral, but... It's somebody who clearly cares about this girl, because she takes a moment to sit down on the same dirty fucking 
log with her and be like, it's okay that you got knocked up at such an early age and ruined your life. It's totally fine. And then just snuggles with her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Your anger is breathtaking. I know. I can't help it. I love it. I'm so I don't rageful. know. It's not so much anger as derision. <laughs> yeah. What have you what uselessness do you <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Stop using made up words. <laughs> uselessness is a made up <laughs> word. That may be. I don't know. Derision's not a made up word if Pink Floyd put it in a song. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know derision's a real word. I know, I, know, I like how instead of just saying it's not a fake word, it's real, Court just goes, Pink Floyd put it in a song, so it's gotta be real. <laughs> I'm trying to put it in terms that you can understand. That's true, and it helped. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so when they don't come running right away when the father is calling for her, two men come upon them and insist that she go to her father immediately. She puts on some shoes and heads out to go talk to her father, and this is intercut with what appears to be a sermon of some sort being performed, which does feel like a funeral mass being cut back and forth, juxtaposed with her father and daughter discussion that's going on here at the same time. And then we kind of find out that this is actually going on in the same house or in the two adjacent rooms of each other. Yeah. Which is really weird. Is that a funeral mass or what? What is that? I don't know, but someone's interrupting someone here. I don't know if those two are interrupting their party or if that party is interrupting this conversation. But this house seems big enough. Like, you could go to a different room. Yeah, what is going on here, Rod? <laughs> Do you have any clue what's going on with this sermon while he's talking to his daughter? I'm not sure. A lot of the stuff in this film is put there basically to add texture and tone and kind of the flavor of the place and time. And I think that this is one of those situations where where there's something that uh, Peckinpah is definitely addressing. He's putting this here for a reason, but for the general population, he's just thinking that this will add to the atmosphere. This will give this kind of off-putting, weird feel as we move from that opening shot of the pregnant woman. I'm going to use nicer words than you, Corp. Right, yeah. right, infested breeder. Go ahead. Exactly. Well, yes, exactly. This beautiful series of shots, you know, this woman lounging next to a beautiful body of water with the sun going down. And then the image Images become a little bit more chaotic as we go from that to the confrontation with her father. And it's basically a filmmaking technique of kind of adding some jarring bits here to warn you that that smooth thing that started so sweetly is about to become a little more unpleasant. I kind of got the inclination that this is a very religious man. And part of what was going on there is they're having a preemptive funeral mass for whoever it is that they're about to deal with because of this infection. I mean, pregnant teen. <laughs> but then again, it could just be that her father is only ever known as El Jefe. And so he's the chief. So he's never given a, a name. It just seems to be kind of this godfather-like character who, you know, has to deal with a lot of different things all at the same time. And this may just be a question of, you know, having to deal with one or two things at the same time because he's a busy, rich man. Well, I kind of got the feeling, I mean, he's El Jefe, which is the boss, you know? So, I mean, yep. I, I know that mostly because of Ash, Ash versus Evil Dead. Dead. Yeah. Dead. Yes. That's how I know El Jefe. Otherwise, I would say El Jefe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I can't. This that's my, that's my brand now, man. I can't pronounce Spanish things properly. <laughs> The soft J, man. Come on. No, no, it's it's what he does. Uh, oh. It's how it's how they do Nash cast. Oh, okay. It's all good. He's he's got a point there. That is his brand. When you're gonna fuck something up regularly, embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> Which footage. is why you don't have footage. Footage. <laughs> footage. 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 <laughs> Great. Now I don't know it anymore. That should be a t-shirt I make. Is just footage. <laughs> footage. <laughs> F A U X. And then have like 
Question, Question mark? mark. Footage. Footage. <laughs> Footage. <laughs> All right. So the father and daughter are having a discussion, and it's mostly the father just repeatedly asking who the father is. So the first time that she refuses, he asks again, and then he asks more forcefully. And then while she refuses very seriously, she's standing there, and her shirt is ripped open and removed. She's basically standing there bare chested, which would kind of be a thank you movie, but one, she's pregnant, and two, this is an embarrassing and horrible situation. So. Why, is that? Why is that two? Please tell me that's in no particular order. Yes. Okay. It's horrific because he's basically bearing the breasts of his child to embarrass her and try and entice her into talking and telling who the father is that put the bun in the oven. Mm-hmm. This does not work, and she remains stalwart and refuses to talk about what's going on and to actually say who the father of her child actually is badass her arms start getting wrenched to cause her pain she still won't talk so they break one of her fucking arms that's ridiculous Uh uh-huh that's outrageous. And then now, hold on. There's um, there's some back and forth. I listened to uh, some of the commentary tracks that are available on this, and there seems to be some uh, con- some contentious debate about whether her arm was broken, which is what I assume, or if one of her fingers was broken. And I have to say that it might have been a finger because we do see her later in the film, and she's not in a cast. I don't know enough about broken arms, but the baby was already born, and I'm thinking that maybe it could have healed up in the yeah, amount like- of time. Months in between this yeah. point and the end of the, the movie. The baby Supposedly was old enough to be two Christian. Months. Two months between. That's two not months. enough for a. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Two months is good enough for a broken arm. Are you sure? It's, I had a buddy of mine who broke his arm and he was only in a cast for like a month. Really? Yeah. Wow. Depending okay. on the severity of the break. It doesn't seem like they would do a spiral fracture or fold her no. arm backwards. Maybe they dislocated her shoulder. I could see them like, popping something out yeah. and then making it. Yeah. 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 Just to cause pain, and then they put it back in, and then yeah. she's okay in a couple. Then again, this is a fucking movie, and we're looking really into this one little part. Let's just say they cause a pregnant woman pain, and that's kind of fucked up. Just to try and find out who the father is, yeah, so that the next part of the film can happen. Yeah. All right. She drops the name of Alfredo Garcia right after whatever happened to her happened, and I like how the minute the serious pain got started, and she knew it was only going to get worse from here. She's like, yeah. hey, "It's not worth protecting." Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Felt <laughs> like he stayed around. <laughs> well, if he would have stuck around, he would be sticking around forever if you know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, so the daughter is immediately attended to and then rushed away and it looks like that might have been a mother or some of the other women that were trying to basically take care of her but her locket is ripped from her neck which has a picture of our titular head that will be brought to whoever is ordering it and the thing that Matt loves the most is going to happen in our next clip. He was like a son to me. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Buenas noches. We are looking for an old buddy of ours, a compadre named Alfredo Garcia. Does anyone here know him? Por favor. Senor? Senora. You sure? How about you? No, senor. First drinks on the house, gentlemen. What do you like to hear? Take care of those gentlemen, Paulo. Your whiskey, gentlemen? Tequila. Yeah, tequila and a beer back. Buenas noches. Hola, guapo. Something uh, for the ladies? Burrow piss? (laughs) Come on, what do you want to hear? Who knows? What would you like? How about, uh, I remember April. I remember April. Yeah. Excuse me? What's that? Oh, it's just an old song. Now, how about buying you a drink? Great. Give me a double Jack Daniels on the rocks. We got a live one here. Take me to your leader. Well, salute us, potatoes. Here more. They like that beer. You know, they brought uh, German Burgermeisters over here back in about 1800 and something. Who knows? A long time. 
time ago. ¿Quieres conmigo? Some of the best beer in the world comes from Mexico. Qué bueno está. How do you guys like baseball? I'm beginning to like basketball lately. It's a faster game, you know what I mean? How about that Bill Russell on the Celtics, 1969? Now, there was a ball player. You've uh, worked around here quite a while, huh? Yeah, about six years. Started up in the Black Cat and TJ. Now, there was a nice place. Classy place. Classy people came in there. One night, Paula Goddard came in and asked me if I was... You know a lot of studs around here? Who are you looking for? Well, like I said, an old buddy of ours, a very close chum. We'd like to meet up with him again. Quite a ladies' man. His name is Alfredo Garcia. Maybe you could help us find him. About 30. Sometimes he calls himself Al Garcia. He speaks English, Spanish, a little French. Quite a stud, huh? Son of a bitch. He got me. I do recognize the name. Oh, you know the name Garcia? Sure. It's like Jones or Smith. <laughs> We're at the Hotel Camino Real. To come up with anything would be glad to see you. Bring that with you. Well, don't worry. If he's alive, I'll find him. Well, uh, alive isn't our problem. Well, uh, how about dead or alive? How about that? Dead. Just dead. What'd you like to hear? One ton of mirror. I didn't catch your name, mister. Dobbs. Red Sea Dobbs. Hello. Okay, please. It's the last time Al Garcia was around here. One week. Más o menos. You know anybody around here that might know where he is? Elita. He stayed with her. Elita. No shit. Poverty. He said the name of the movie. He said the name of the movie. <laughs> like I said, that's Matt's favorite thing ever whenever they do that. All right, there's a lot I'm to unpack finished. on this clip because I took a lot of screen time and kind of condensed it down to just the dialogue portions. But yeah. during the actual clip, right after they say the name of the movie and got Matt all excited, we actually see people scouring the globe. And I mean scouring the globe. They're in all sorts of different countries all over the place where... Alfredo Garcia could possibly be trying to hide out and they're looking for him. They're dropping pictures everywhere. They're giving out tokens like we see Benny get and everything later on in the clip. And they even end up making it at a small bar somewhere. Their main character of Benny is when he happens to be a shitty piano player playing a shitty piano in a shitty bar. Yes. They really kind of show that. Everything's (laughs) shitty. Yeah. So he started off probably a good piano player at one point in time, but it's clear that he's more about being in the bar and the drinking than the actual playing of the piano. Amen, brother. He's probably making enough in tips to keep him in tequila. Mm-mm-mm. Or whatever else it is that he drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be living the way that Benny is living in Mexico on tips from tourists, he really has to be bad at what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> living the and dream. he really has to not give much of a damn about his life or be in some horrible state where it just, that's... That's a life. That's a life that he's willing to lead. Yeah, he's volunteering for this, essentially. It's a great life. Why are you guys so mad about it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Matt doesn't understand. So, uh, Court, let's let's talk about how pathetic this lifestyle is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd try, but Matt's just sitting here getting more and more, like, upset about us making fun of Benny because this is, like, his hero. I'm not upset. I'm I'm flabbergasted. The man's living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you two have to go shit all over it. Uh, fucking well, lame. Okay, so fucking Benny here narcs. at the bar playing piano mm-hmm. yeah. in Mexico uh-huh. for tips. Yeah. Pretty much just for tips. Yeah. And living off of alcohol and self-hatred. Yeah. That's the dream for you. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> my retirement plan. <laughs> Fair enough. It sounded and, like he was touching himself. He, he was a little bit, but it's mostly out of fear. 
<laughs> and I'm finished. Okay, so another thing to point out too, now I cut this out of the clip, but one of the thugs, while they're trying to talk to Benny, there's two hookers that come up and start talking to these two thugs. She gets a little fresh on his leg. She grabs a hold of his fucking junk. Yeah. And then he pops her in the face and lays her out cold. Oh, with an elbow too. Not even just a fist, but that's an elbow shot right to the noggin. The worst part about this is right after he does that, the whole entire bar stops and gets silent. And all the while that they're still talking to Benny, no one does anything. Oh, that girl's down at a heap. Yeah. And it's just horrific. And then her head falls from one stair down to the next one and makes an even louder thud. And then people are all looking. And all they do is they're like, okay, let's just clean up the hooker around these guys' feet. Well, he pretty much points and people just pick her up and they leave. And I'm like, way to go. Yeah. Did you notice, too, that Benny actually visibly tries to talk these guys down and keep them distracted from doing any more violence? Yes. Yeah. First, he tries baseball. Then he's like, well, let's talk about basketball. Yeah, about basketball. They don't really seem to, like, bite on any of that until they start asking about, you know, who Alfredo Garcia is and if Benny knows anything about it. And that's when they kind of realize that they might have a lead here. So they kind of give Benny that token we were talking about and move on. Yeah. At the end of the clip, too, he ends up asking questions about, you know, when Al Garcia was around last and who it was that he was hanging out with. And the guy tells him it's Alita, which turns out is actually Benny's girlfriend. So he goes to visit his lady friend who may have a line on where Alfredo Garcia just might be, which also upsets Benny because this is supposed to be his girlfriend and she went away for a few days with Alfredo <laughs> Garcia behind yeah. Benny's back. Wow. One thing that I'd like to point out is the character uh, played by the actor Gig Young who says that his name is Fred C. Dobbs. Did you get what that's a reference to? No, I did not pick up on that one. Fred C. Dobbs is the uh, name of Humphrey Bogart's character in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. These two films have a little bit in common considering that Bogart's character along with two other guys are prospecting for gold in Mexico and they're you know these typical gringos south of the border without a clue with no money just trying desperately to make themselves wealthy at the expense of anybody or anything that they can find and uh, by using the name Fred C. Dobbs the, the character in the movie is kind of joking about what Benny is because he kind of That's kind of a stab at him if Benny's smart enough to know what he's referencing. That's really interesting that they threw that in there. And I'm glad you explained that to us because I would have never got that. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I've actually seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's (laughs) worth revisiting. Uh, It's a movie that uh, I saw first when I was younger, but it's one of those movies that once you get older, you see more and more in it just because you understand some of the motivations of the characters a little bit better. Yeah, it's well worth a revisit. And uh, it's also fun to uh, pair it up with one of its uh, remakes like uh, Walter Hill's film trespass yeah i didn't realize that that's what that is but that is what trespass is holy shit yeah Yeah. (laughs) damn and you know what you were just saying there about how when you get older you actually can see a film differently and it it makes more sense or it speaks to you a little bit better we actually covered that when we talked about the wild bunch about how i see it so much more differently as an adult than i did watching it as a kid and just wanting to see them shoot everybody with a fucking rail gun (laughs) 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 or minigun or whatever it is yeah it's one of the things about the vast majority of sam peck and paul's films is he was a really great action director and so you can kind of just come in and enjoy that aspect of the film if that's what you're looking for but there's a lot more there and when you say this is your favorite of Sam Peckinpah's films that's impressive because this is a movie with a lot of dark things to say about uh, men and the way we handle life 
One of the other reasons that I like it is this is the only film he ever got final cut on. And so this is his most unfucked with vision. Yeah, that's true to a degree. You know, the Wild Bunch version that we can see is as close to his version as we can get. It's like 99%. And and same is true mostly of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Major Dundee, and a number of his other films. We're not as far from his vision on most of his films now as we were during his lifetime, which is a sad thing to be able to say, but it's true. Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. To get back into this film here, Benny actually threatens his would-be girlfriend with physical violence whenever he realizes that she pretty much cheated on him by shacking up with Garcia. That's if she likes a black eye, and I was like, God damn, dude. Well, he first gets up the courage to go talk to her by getting blind, stinking drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when he threatens her with the physical violence. Now, I'm just going to come right out and say it, but does anybody else think that she's a prostitute? Because she sure looks like she might be a prostitute. The place that he goes to looks like it's a freaking whorehouse to me. It seemed that way, but at the same time, she doesn't play it that way. So it's hard to know. So I began to wonder if what we were supposed to maybe get from a couple of small clues was that uh, she was kind of a madam, but maybe she is a prostitute. Maybe that's how the Alfredo Garcia thing started in the first place. Maybe she was one that he had actually hired at one point in time and, you know, the whole hooker with a heart of gold kind of thing. Maybe she worked her way up to being in Madam and now she kind of runs the joint or something like that. I don't know. Whatever it was, it sure felt like whatever she's working at is some type of very specific gentleman's club because it has this like tailor-made thing. But there's like four or five women sitting with one old dude who looks like he's well off and has some money. So that's why I kind of inferred that. Yeah. But there's also a lot of talk later in the film where you're supposed to, like, everybody just automatically assumes that she's a prostitute just because she's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, apparently she's supposed to be, like, a, a maid. I don't know if she says cleaning jobs, but she also talks about, like, some kind of commercial gig or something like that, too. I don't know. I guess it's basically whatever baggage you're going to put on these characters is the kind of people yeah. they're going to be to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is something to talk about, because the movie does give you the opportunity to see her as a possible prostitute, as someone who maybe makes her living as a musician or singer because that's definitely played up within the body of the film and then there's those at least two separate mentions of cleaning jobs so they're kind of muddying the waters and kind of putting out their you know what are you going to take from this and I think that it would be fun to just have people watch the film and then tell me well what was her job <laughs> yeah how does Alita get money and is Al basically like playing her for a sugar mama <laughs> yeah maybe yeah all right well there's more discussion going on about Alfredo Garcia and their relationship in our very next clip. Three days, three nights. Alfredo Garcia. See, si, Alfredo. Uh, I feel very bad. Give me a chance. I'll explain it to you, okay? Do it. Well, he was here and uh, we spent some time together. We were saying goodbye forever. Took a little time. If I ever get my hands on him, I'm going to kill him. I'm afraid it's too late. When he left here, he was very drunk. And Neil Saltillo. His car refused the road and the rocks killed him. Jesus Christ. Amen. What is it don't you me, huh? Do you have to go? See you later. Come in. Glasses. Give me a number. Eleven. Lucky. But you guys didn't expect to see me so soon, huh? You're wasting our time. What have you got? You don't mess around, do you? Right down to business. It's really very simple. You give us the information we want as to where we can find Alfredo Garcia, we'll give you a thousand dollars. If your information is wrong, you two are wrong, dead wrong. Well, you see, he's a friend of a friend. I'd like to know what you want him for. Well, that's not true. I'm 
I mean, I got to tell somebody something, right? <laughs> You're interested in money, aren't you? Money you can spend. Yes, sir. Indirectly. I mean, there are other things, like I'd like to stay alive. I'm a loser. Nobody loses all the time. <laughs> I don't like the money. How much is it worth to you? We can go 5,000. 10,000. I go all the way or I pass. I gather by that you mean dead. That's right. That's what I got in mind. Well, my friend, one must do what one must do. All it will require from you is physical proof that Garcia is dead. We can't have physical proof. We're well aware of the problem, and we're prepared to settle for his head. Yeah, but the uh, head must match the picture. It's a deal. But I want $5,000 in advance. I need some operating cash, right? You don't have to kill him with kindness. Give him $200. Well, well, thank you, gentlemen. You've got four days. And Benny, after that, we come to find you. Change the sheets, darling. I got another job, you hear me? Come on, honey. Get on the roof. Oh, Hey, I'll read that. Oh, Hey, I saw those guys looking for Alfredo yesterday. You told him he was dead? No. In this house, we know nothing. I want to see his grave. Tell me. Did he give you a good head? what it is they're drinking buddies yeah <laughs> that's where the love comes in they're both horrendous drunks Woo. could be yeah horrendous you mean epic drunks <laughs> however you want to look at it matt you miserable fucking failure of a human being oh it's out of love on this show that clip contains one of the best lines in the film and the one that kind of resonates for me away from the picture which is you can't lose all the time Right, yeah, because they do. They pretty much tell him he's just a fucking loser, and he's like, well, you're not going to lose all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to kind of unpack in that whole sequence there, especially the stuff that's going on between Alita and Benny. You can see a, a kind tenderness between the two of them, but he also gets pretty aggressive and slaps her around, kind of, like smacks her on the butt. Yeah. Bites her because she bit him in a certain area when she comes and wakes him up by <laughs> nibbling well, on his good bits. It seems like he's got problems with his member. Uh, I think that was scabbing and other things on him from her. Oh. Yeah. I'm thinking oh. that seemed like crabs. Yeah, and that's oh, why well, he bit her. He didn't use the cinema psyops patented method of shaving one half, lighting the other half on fire that hammered it out there's only so much you can do <laughs> i guess to get rid of your body hair they're just going to keep migrating north <laughs> until they find a place to nest not that oh, i know from personal God. experience <laughs> oh sure sure all right so during this we actually see that our protagonist benny purchases a sword which looks like one of those curry knives or one of those specifically made machetes for beheading large animals. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those or not. No. Yeah, they have like a special curve to them and everything. This one didn't have the curve or what have you, but it looked like it was specifically designed for removing heads. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> because it was a little oh, serrated in parts. That you know that kind of frightens me and does something else to me I don't know how to describe. I like edged weapons. <laughs> I can tell. I kind of have a fetishing desire for for destruction and 
removal of heads. Removal of heads. <laughs> I like I like to cut stuff up. Yeah, that's why you weren't all that real mad when I dropped the head on the table. No, I mean it's just one more piece of thing that has to be sluiced through the floor later. Yeah, right. Well. You know. But no, I <laughs> I read a lot about knives and stuff when I was a kid and swords and guns and you know, I like weapons. Just you don't have to say it so quietly. You're already on a fucking government watch list. It's fine. <laughs> I like guns. <laughs> I like knives. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I want to kill like people. Weapons. Oh, wait, that could get you in trouble. Hold I, on. I do like them, but they won't let me have them, no matter how much I petition the UN. Yeah, right? <laughs> the sovereign state of Syopia is not allowed to have nuclear weapons. We're, we're not a nuclear power here? <laughs> not that they're aware of. Not yet. <laughs> not so anybody notice any. I don't know. All right, yeah, he purchases a sword that, like I said, looks specifically designed for removing heads or, you know, severing limbs. He returns to his room to pretty much pass out on his bed. His lady drops by to get some sexual healing going, as we kind of missed over in the clip, but that's what happens. And he either pulls a crab off, or I thought it was a scab from where she bit him. I thought she bit him on the dick oh, so God, hard he was I bleeding. I don't know, man, but all of this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever it was, clearly it was enough to upset him. Yeah. Because, and, I mean, yikes. <laughs> whether it was a crab or a scab, it's all bad to be pulling it off of your member. Yeah, yeah. Clip. <laughs> <laughs> that's just another message from Cinemasaya. <laughs> if you do have that problem, you should listen to the VD Clinic podcast. They can not help you with that, but they'll review a movie. Yeah. And a book. Yeah. And <laughs> there are all kinds of things you don't want on your dick. And then at least you can tell people bullshit that you've been to a VD clinic. <laughs> and what Rob just said what Rod just said is a clip totally. Yeah, clip. <laughs> All right, so when he wakes up, she's naked in his bed, and we get to see it, so thank you, movie. This is the one time where we get nudity in the film where it's kind of okay. Yeah, the, the one's yeah. crying. <laughs> or being slapped around. Yeah. Well, a little bit of slapping around. There's a little bit, but she You get the to... feeling that they like the slap and tickle in yeah, this, yeah. between these two. Yeah, this is sex play. Yeah. Yeah, as he's pulling scabs <laughs> off his dick. Or crabs. Or crabs. One or the other. Whatever. This has got to be crabs. And that also then he makes me to wonder. wash the sheets, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, she was nude in them, and that's where he got that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Just got creeped out. <laughs> they cut away from that to Benny and his lady pack up and go looking for the titular head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> I even wrote in my notes, they head out. <laughs> oh. Oh, boo. Boo, boo. First, you're making fun of fucking pregnant women, and now you're making bad puns. Uh-huh. The listeners expect this from me. Yeah, I mean, really. Wait, that means there are good puns? Yes. Really? It used to be the highest form of humor back in the day. It's just yeah. that I'm really outdated. <laughs> We're old, okay? <laughs> A man out of time. Oh, I'm so out of time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they take off. I'm not going to say they head out, even though I just did. And he just did it again. <laughs> In an old beaten up convertible that looks like a piece of shit loser, just like its driver. Man. It is a beat to shit Impala. You are fucking hard on Betty, dude. <laughs> That's because he reminds well. me of a certain somebody I don't like. Oh. <laughs> Court makes a very good uh, you know, uh, observation. The Impala, the outside of the Impala definitely matches the outside of the driver. They are both <laughs> beaten up by life. <laughs> yes. And they're both fueled on an alcohol-based yeah. type, <laughs> type fuel. Yeah. Yep. All right. So they're singing songs as they're going through, and we get kind of like this little travel log that kind of gives you the landscape of 
Mexico where they're driving through, which is actually pretty beautiful. We get some really cool like horizon shots when they're driving past and some pastoral driving. And there's some moments there where he gets some distracted driving because his lady demands some kisses and they're not looking where they're going and they almost hit a goddamn bus only to barely miss it and then sideswipe the fucking thing and just narrowly missing death. That would have been the end of our movie right yeah. there, folks. It would be it. <laughs> Bye. No one found the head. Everything's yeah. over. Yeah, it's yeah but it's, st- it's stuff like that that almost car accident that just really feels like you're in this kind of shambolic Mexico rural area where just shit like this will happen and people will just brush it aside because, ah, eh, fuck it. <laughs> the bus doesn't stop and, like, shake their fist at them or anything and Benny just keeps yeah. driving and goes, ah, god damn it! Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> it just adds to the to the atmosphere of the whole thing where you're just in this this sweaty place where there's just, yeah, 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 it would be, it'd be too much trouble to fuck around with this stupid shit. We both lost some paint, let's move on. It's not like Benny's car can be any more fucked up than it already is and I don't think that he did any damage to that bus at all. No. <laughs> it may have lost a little chrome on the hitch. That's about <laughs> That's it. That's about it. We also notice at this point that they are being followed by someone and Benny takes some pot shots at a couple of turkeys on the side of the road for fun, displaying that Benny can actually shoot. He declares that he missed them on purpose. That I'm not 100% sure of at that point in time. I think if he actually would have shot the turkey, he probably would have yeah. fucking grabbed it and ate it. Probably. I will say he- this. Uh, later in the film, I don't think any of us have any doubts about his capability abilities with that handgun no when he has no. when he has the drive to do it benny is a killing machine well, he, with a handgun former special forces right i don't think he was special forces he talks about being in the military but i don't know if he was special forces no. well it was something though he did say something about being in the army he says something about being very serious about being good with a pistol the handgun usage later on in the film shows that he has definitely got some skill there is more singing as they're driving by and some guitar playing and the two of them are just super in love and ordinarily you're like, what the fuck? This movie is called Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, not Travel Log with a Happy Couple Singing and Playing Guitar. What are you doing to me here? I know, right? <laughs> but the movie requires your patience because it will deliver. <laughs> it's going to get better. Yeah. They're, Just well, kumbaya it until we get to this point. Depending upon your perspective, this part is important as well because you got to see the relationship that these two have and they don't have a lot of time to develop their love and let you feel how great they are together. That's important. When I was younger watching this film, this is the section of the film where I kind of felt like, what the hell are we doing here? But once again, as an older person, you start to realize all of this is showing you things that pay off later on. All of this is relationship stuff that makes sense once you're, I won't say middle age, but let's say past the age of 30. I'm past the age of 30 and I still kind of felt this travelogue went on a little too long myself, but that's because I hate love, I hate relationships, I hate happiness. Except for my own with my wife. Yes. All other ones are fake and not real. Okay. (laughs) Wow. You've got a lot of problems. I hate human beings, Matt. You need to talk, buddy? You okay? No, I'll just get another tattoo. It'll be fine. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Humans are the most hateable thing on the planet. All right, so during the road trip, we actually see in this whole travel log thing, the people that are pursuing them end up spinning out and kind of doing like a 360 around on the road and heading up over an embankment because they come upon a bus with a tractor pulling out, blocking the other side of the road. They go all the way off to the other side of the road, spin out back around in front of the bus and then head up over that embankment. That was a pretty cool fucking spin out and and stunt. I like that. (laughs) 
So there's one guy in that car that's constantly drinking, mm-hmm. and then there's another guy that's doing all the driving. Yes. And the only time you actually see the guy who's doing all the driving have any fun and be happy is when he almost kills himself and his friend. It sounds a lot like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because yeah. you know that's, that's yeah, very yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a. That's it a really is. It's yeah. That's a metaphor, a metaphor for, this for the show. If I've ever heard one. Uh, so they fade from that to Benny snuggling with his lady Elita. It's a touching couples moment that I don't want to describe. So that's our next clip. I think he's vomiting. <laughs> we'll go to Cozumel. After that, Alden Harry's. You ever been there? No. I haven't either. Hell, I've never been any place I want to go back to. That's for damn sure. I was once at a place I'd like to see again. Yeah, absolutely, baby. You name it. It's called Guanajuato. With a G. Guanajuato. Guanajuato. Yes. It's very good. <laughs> it's a beautiful old Spanish town. It's a 16th century or. Uh, 17th century. I don't know. I get mixed up with the century. <laughs> yes, because they start, you know. Oh, well, never mind. You know, uh, they have tunnels built all over the town. And on top of the tunnels, there's the, the houses. Built. You can see the little windows, you know, hanging out. Beautiful. You like it there. I was there once with it. Yeah? With who? I forgot. Can we go there sometime? No. I want to go someplace new. Can we find a new place? So I'm afraid it was something we can do. We're not doing bad. I go on doing commercials, and uh, pretty soon you can buy your place. Bullshit, baby. That's not my place. It's a stop for a bunch of tourists. This time I'm moving up. Oh, mijo. We're moving up. And most important, at least to me, is we're together, Benny. We're together. <laughs> and we marry someday in church. Yeah, we'll marry someday in the church. Bullshit, Benny. No, I mean it this time. I when? Mean, when? Sunday. Why so? Why? Because I figure Al's worth about 10,000 bucks. I don't understand. Well, your premier Moore, my darling, has uh, made a mistake. And some people want him dead. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. We're going to get some proof. Well, I, not with me, huh? You don't want me to be part of that, do you? You are a part of it. For you or for me or do it for Al. He wants you to be happy, doesn't he? Didn't he always want you to be happy? Yes, he wanted me to be happy, but, well, it's good knowing what you want. But it so happens I don't know what I want. You see, uh, we women have so many ways. I, I'm just shocked. Salute Alfredo. Salute Alfredo, right? I guess he'd want me to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Benny. Yeah. Have you really thought about marrying me? I mean, seriously. Have you? Yes, I have. How come you've never asked me? I don't know, but I do now. Ask me then. Ask me. Will you marry me? Okay, so yeah, happy couple time. Yeah. <laughs> to a degree, but there's a real sadness hanging over all of that stuff. This is two middle-aged people who honestly have seen there are more days behind them than in front of them, and, and they know it, and it's almost as if they're trying to find a way to feel young again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I could kind of let's, see that. Let's not hit so close to home, okay, guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you already have a relationship. These are two people that have just That's been- true. In and out of unhappy and unsuccessful relationships. So, yeah, that's kind of all you and I have that's keeping us from going on killing sprees. Yeah, I mean, 
really, the only thing that separates Betty from me, Court, is the fact that we have happy relationships. Well, separates you from Betty. Betty yeah. The only thing that separates me from, say, like a Walter White or someone go. even more evil than Benny yeah. is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that separates me from being a drunk piano player in Mexico is... The talent of being able to play piano. All right, so during the clip, the thugs actually drive past, and it seems to me like Benny clocks them, but he's trying to keep Alita in the dark, so he doesn't mention that there's some dudes following them who may also be looking for Alfredo's head. Anybody else get that idea? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so with the promise of a new life funded by Alfredo's head and the promise of a marriage that may be taking place from this, that gets Alita on board because all she has to do is do this one thing where they go pick up Alfredo, although she's still in the dark about exactly what they're going there for. The pair then take off again only to have a tire blowout, which gives Alita what she thinks is a very romantic idea to have a little camp out under the stars. She's going to cook like a camp made meal for him and they'll just sleep together out under the stars. It'll be very romantic. And she even offers to make him so very happy tonight, whatever that's supposed to mean. Oh. I'm sure it uh, stacks. Yeah, it stacks. I mean, yeah, sex. Yeah, yeah. She's going to bone him. She's going to open up the back door. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the only place where the Ooh. crabs aren't. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> they can't survive in that climate back there. It's so humid. I'm so surprised that anything can survive in the hot, humid heat that we see in this film. This is one of the sweatiest movies. She's going to let Benny into the swamp land. Well, you need to have that booty juice. <laughs> you know, I'm just hearing a really bad song with the chorus of which is, Booty juice, booty juice, gotta have it now. Yeah, well, there's there's, there's a clip right there. Yeah, yeah, that's a clip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm giving you guys way too much ammo. Yeah, we love it. Thank yeah, you, Rod. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> All right, so my only thought basically was that this whole romantic tryst that's supposed to be happening here is Alita delaying the inevitable and trying to keep the romance going because the closer they get to a town, the closer they get to this actual final destination. And I think she's still trying to talk Benny out of doing what he's about to do because she knows he's going to have to do something horrible for the money but she doesn't want to believe it yeah and i think it's yeah. just it's like a chess game where the two of them are constantly trying to play around the idea of this horrible thing that benny's gonna have to do without actually letting it happen and or without letting the other partner kind of know but they both yeah. know they're just kind of playing in denial and that relationship dynamic is really kind of wonderful because when you have a problem like that in the relationship is it that really all that horrible you though? both want to ignore you know well, yes it's horrible matt well i not, not to channel court too much but Guy's you're not, not channeling dead. me, goddammit. This is your own moral compass that you have. The guy's not dead. The guy's already dead. It's not like you're killing him. No, you're just no. desecrating his grave, removing his head for the money, and lying to mafiosa people. The thing that's bad about this is he's lying to the mafia guys that are hiring him for the 10 grand yeah. to try and get the 10 grand to pretend like he's going to kill him just so he can bilk them out of more money. Yeah. That's the Wait, horrible that's part. that's the bad part? That's, yes. Yeah. I didn't know that was the bad. I thought the bad part was that they were taking too long to do it. I didn't know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh yeah, wow. there's that too. They there's they are taking too. forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Especially since he's only got a few days before they come looking for him to to basically yeah. take him out for fucking up. Listen, man. It, if you already know there's a dead body, it shouldn't take that long to decapitate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, your point earlier about this kind of chess game they're playing where she's clearly trying to find a way to appeal to the better angels of his nature and get him 
to not do what he's at first hinting and then outright telling her that he's going to do for $10,000 is pretty interesting because it really is kind of a metaphor for a lot of relationships where the two people love each other and do care about each other, but there's this back and forth. I wouldn't call it a struggle. It's kind of the nature of a relationship. It's the push and pull. It's the, the tug in one direction and the push of wanting something or, or needing something from the other person and trying to not necessarily state it outright because to do that invites the saying of that most damning of all words, which is no. And that kind of puts a roadblock up. And so in a weird way, it's kind of like watching two people do this about any subject. And here it's just this most horrendous thing. And it's sad to watch Benny thinks that he's made some amazing deal to get $10,000 for this head, when that's the smallest fraction of what it's actually worth. The price tag on this thing is a million dollars. He has no clue. He's such a small fish that even at his best bargaining, he isn't even a fraction close to being something that is even a player in this game. Not even one one hundredth of what they're actually getting. Yeah, right. You know, watching this as a metaphor for a relationship, he's at what he thinks is the top of a situation. He's got the line on this. He knows where this man is. He's got someone who can take him to the body. He's out in front of this. And all he kind of really has to do is watch out for those people that might be following him, make sure that he gets there first, takes care of this situation. He's pretty sure he can do it. But at the same time, he's so clueless about it. There's so many things he can't even see. The lasting theme of the film really is that just almost everything ends in disaster, but we're not there yet. So hang on. (laughs) It is like whenever there's a problem in a relationship that people don't want to deal with and they just kind of talk around it. But you're always trying to edge in a way there to bring your point of view where she's like, we shouldn't do this. And he's like, we're going to fucking do this. That's kind of what's going on back and forth. Yeah. And this wonderful romantic camp out idea actually looks wonderful where the two of them are spending the night together. But this is a fucking Sam Peck and Paul film and nothing is ever going to be good for very long. It immediately is ruined by two bikers who just creep up on them and get super rapey, super fast, just getting into the camp. They just force their way in, sit down, and start fucking trying to eat their food. And God damn it, Chris Christopherson, what are you doing? Oh, he's so fucking creepy at this. Yeah. They sit down at the camp and they start basically talking to them in a very threatening manner without actually being threatening. And they make her play them a song on the guitar while Chris Christopherson sings along with her. And the whole time, both of the guys are getting very leering at her. And then they start grabbing at her. As soon as Benny stands up and tries to be like, all right, now this is enough, God damn it! They pull a gun on him. Now, this is where I'm kind of wondering what the fuck's going on with Benny because he's got a gun. Is it not with him or on him at this moment that he's just letting this stand? I don't, this is the part it I don't get. must be like in the car. It's something, which you would think that if you were out there going to be sleeping mm-hmm. under the stars, you'd want to keep your gun on yeah, you or something. Yeah, probably thought, oh, everything's going to be fine. No one's going to come out here. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, right. But anyway, they pull a gun on Benny when he stands up to try and stop them, and then things go really downhill from there. As Chris Christopherson drags Alita off to fucking rape her. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, he makes her walk off with him to a certain distance then stops pops a switchblade cuts her shirt open and then rips it off of her she slaps him i think twice then he hits her once as benny just sits there drinking and brooding 
and tries to essentially justify what's going on and what he's letting happen. Now, when he does go to do something, she says something along the lines to him of, I've been here before. You don't know the way. I think what she's saying is, this is something that's already happened to me. I'd rather you be alive than have you die trying to stop this from happening. Yeah, Yeah. that does seem to be what she's trying to get across to him. Don't do something that's going to get you killed. That would be the worst outcome for her. Yeah, because she's going to lose the one man who probably loves her for just who she is, as opposed to lying down and letting some man have her body for a moment, which if she does the profession that we have suspected earlier in the film or has been alluded to, where she may be a prostitute, she can basically just let this happen and at least get out with a minimum amount of damage for both of them, because it wouldn't be that much of a thing to her. It's still fucking rape. It's still fucking wrong. I'm not trying to justify what these men are doing. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, in her mind, this is probably the the easiest easiest way for them to get it done. Yeah, for them to survive is just to give them what they want. Yeah, is what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Things then start getting really weird when he walks off away from her after ripping off her shirt, and then she just goes ahead and follows him. Again, I think this is just, it's the easiest way to do. Yeah. But this whole thing with her walking behind him topless is still extremely uncomfortable. Big time. He leads to a rock face where he just kind of sits down and leans up against this, like, boulder-like area, and then Benny can continues to fume back at the camp basically because the other biker is playing a guitar singing a very shitty fucking song essentially about how a woman's lying down and liking it even though she didn't at first or something along those lines it was a pretty pro-rape fucking song that guy was singing because he thinks this is all okay and that was gross yes really gross we then it's an interesting contrast between the uh the character who's actually going off to do the raping and his attitude toward the whole situation and the um smiling buddy with the guitar back with Benny. Yeah, it's a really bizarre, surrealistic it's, scene. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you, you, like, what the fuck's happening right now? Yeah, I know, it gets, it, with Christopherson's character, I mean, the characters never really have names, but it's Chris Christopherson. He almost seems kind of sad, as if he has to do it, as if this is the only thing he knows how to do. It's really strange. It seems almost like a role reversal thing, too, where he, At one point, it seems like she starts taking the lead well, I think it. I think the thing that makes him sad is he wanted to make it by force. I think he needed the violence aspect of oh. it. And when she wasn't going to put up a fight, he couldn't handle that. I think he yeah. wanted it to be by force. That's, Interesting. That's, yeah. that's the only thing that I can that's, think as to why he changed the position. And then yeah. she's committing to it basically so that he can't say that, you know, whatever and, and use it as an excuse to fight. The further she starts going to try and just get this over with, yes, there the more go. uninterested and the more disaffected the and the more sad he that. seems to get. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe this is a good time to bring up that I've always seen this film as Peckinpah's most disturbed view of the relationship between men and women. I don't know if that's how you view the film as a whole, but that seems to be the primary theme throughout is just how men view women and how men treat women. I mean, the big thing that I take away from it is man's inhumanity to man as in human beings altogether and the way they treat each other because we don't really see a lot of women in this film because it's also a Peckinpah film and that's just how he is. Yeah. Uh, but the women that we do see and how they're interacting with the men, I mean... They're heavily mistreated. Right. But at the same time, some of the women are doing some conniving things in the background yeah. too. The women are almost seen as objects to be owned. There is that too, but it's also a Sam Peckinpah film and he's not exactly <laughs> the most um, non-misogynistic human being on the face of this earth. Well, that there's been a lot of pushback on that from people who knew him, especially the women that he worked with. He kind of surrounded himself with a lot of really talented women behind the scenes and a lot of them 
has spoken about how that's something that he, in his personal life, really wrestled with. It was something that he honestly thought about and talked about a lot with people, which is the fear of women that men have that causes men to mistreat women because they can't trust themselves around them because of the emotions that they cause to well up. Well, and it's also important to note now, it's something that I've been kind of like saving in my back pocket, but I think this is a good point in the conversation to talk about. Benny is a basically an analog of Sam Peckinpah to yeah. the point where Warren Oates was mimicking him, even stole some sunglasses for him and the sunglasses that he wears for a good portion of this film, he took right off the director to act with. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. Peckinpah was a hard drinking, hard living man. And just like Benny's character... He's got the strong, sort of almost violent nature towards Alita when things aren't going right. Yeah. And they're having some argument stuff. But you never really get the sensation that even though he says he would give her a black eye, I don't think he would full on hit her like that. I think he would bite her like he did or he would smack her <laughs> butt. But I think yeah. that's also like the sexual play that they have as well, you know. And yeah. you kind of get the inclination that essentially what we're talking about with Peck and Paul and what I see in Benny's character is he's been taught a certain way on how a man is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to be towards women and how a man is supposed to react towards women. And the viewpoint in this time frame is very much that women are essentially property yeah. of men and or not necessarily equal to men. I mean, especially in the late 60s and early 70s was something that was being railed against. And it seems like the character of Benny is trying to come to terms with that and realizing that this is a person that I'm in love with, you know? Yeah. Not just an object of my desire. And right. I think the whole relationship dynamic thing that's going on between Benny and Alita is stuff that Peck and Paul himself is trying to work out with his relationships with women. And I think he's way more open than what anybody would be willing to be about it by putting all of it up there on screen. I mean, we're talking all the dirty laundry is aired, mostly because it doesn't look like Benny's ever worn clean clothes in his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good point. I agree. I think that one of the bravest things I've ever seen on film is just tracing Sam Peckinpah's female characters through a number of his films in the late 60s and early 70s and watching him really kind of wrestle with an attitude toward women that shows a, a level of respect but also digs into what it is in the male psyche that causes us to have so much trouble just accepting women as people instead of these objects, these things that we just want so badly that our bodies sometimes betray us and make us act like animals. It is a strange thing, the lust and the desire part of what a human male is. That is a part of our being that we're supposed to be okay with. We're taught that for however long, but at the same time that, you know, oh, I can't control myself, I'm I'm a man. I'm, a, you know, going to be an animal. Like, there's a certain point where, yeah, you fucking should, and yeah, you fucking can. Yeah. Don't lie. Don't be a yeah, Don't yeah. be an asshole. You know, and people the, say that uh, you know, boys will be boys, or men can't control themselves, or typically men who are about to do something really stupid, right, and violently, and all that shit. And you do see that kind of progress through not only just this film, but other films as well. I mean, it's in the Wild Bunch a good bit too. The way that the men are actually reacting when they are hiring the prostitutes. Yeah, some of the men who are less evolved than others. Others do just treat them like property, and then others go and take a nice wine bath and make a gorse rod out of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right, so Alita does ask at one point in time of Chris Christopherson's character, please don't, please don't. And right as she's doing that, and then she moves in to start kissing him and basically try to placate him just to keep herself and Benny from being harmed any further, Benny ends up getting the drop on the other biker and bashes his motherfucking head in with a frying pan. Although... 
gotta say, dude, one hit, not good enough. Nope. Keep going until you're just bashing pieces of wet bone into the ground. Although he might have been trying to maybe stop, stop the rape was a, yeah, I before, think he was... before the rape starts, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. thinks he can yeah. get there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, but still, he should have made sure that guy was dead. But anyway, he, he grabs <laughs> well, the guy. he does later. Right. He grabs the guy's gun, and then he charges off, as Matt said, to save Alita from this ultimate fate that is about to befall her, only to basically find her, for a lack of a better term, but more willing with what's going on than what he expected, Yeah, which I think upsets him and angers him even more than if he were to find the man actually like physically holding her down. I think because it makes her. it seem like she's cheating on him again. Yeah, and he's already got this insecurity yeah. with Alfredo Garcia and if this is going to happen like it it activates that fucking lizard brain inside your male head that's like mine and he gets very possessive with her and it's back to yeah. property time almost yeah so he shoots him twice in the chest and then when his buddy comes by he shoots him straight through the heart for the buddy and ends up killing him when he runs up they both are dead which terrifies Alita. This is a side of Benny that she has never seen. This animalistic killer. It kind of terrifies her a little bit as he starts walking away. We then have yeah. them driving off, and that leads to our next clip. I don't know what to say. Damn it to hell, I don't know what to say. You did all right. I will tell everything to the police. No chance. You're going to take me to find Alfredo, and that's our ticket out of here. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know how you can get money from a dead body. I mean, I don't believe that people in what they say. I take them proof. His head. His head? What proof? But it's a crime, Benny. You're mad. He's dead. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but you wanted to desecrate the grave. Give me that crap. There's nothing sacred about a hole in the ground or a man that's in it or you or me. Listen, the church cuts off the feet, fingers, any other goddamn thing from the saints, don't they? Well, what the hell? Alfredo's our saint. He's a saint of our money. And I'm going to borrow a piece of it. All right. I'm going to take it to him. And then I'm going to go, you know. Because I figure everything is going to be over with us. I don't want any more of that. Oh, please. Many, I mean, please. Let's put it together. Just make it round and let's go back and forget about the whole thing. We'll never talk about it again. Jesus, just being together is enough. No, it's not, baby. It takes pan, bread, dinero. I want to get a room for the night. Double bed. I'm sorry, sir, but this hotel does not allow. Now listen, Mr. and Mrs. Benjamin from Mexico City. We're very, very tired. Now you pluck out one of those keys while I sign the register. Nintendo. Nintendo. Best room in the house, please. Okay, we've got a lot to unpack in that as yes. well, uh, covering a lot of screen time there. So essentially what's going on here, Benny is telling her enough of what she needs to know that he can't really kind of hide behind anymore. And she had to know that he has to bring some proof that Alfredo's dead otherwise, you know. But I think they're both just kind of in denial and trying to hide it. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And oh yeah, she's definitely been trying to not think too hard about what he's going to have to do to get this money. And when he finally just comes out and tells her the idea I think she was lying to herself telling herself what it was going to be that he was going to have to do and then the reality of it crashing in that he's going to collect the head is pretty horrific to her and she just basically like let's just go we'll we'll just find another life we'll we'll make do all we need is each other no and the, get the head and the greed to him the money he just wants a better life he wants more than what he's had yeah. this whole entire time and he's so driven to well, do this thing like he wants out of mexico city and this is what's going to do it for him well he wants a better life but yeah. he still wants it with her and she's essentially saying, if you do this, you'll have no life with me because I'm going to go and that's going to be it. So if you want this money, you're going to get it. You're going to you're going to be able to do this with the head, but you're not going to have me. 
Yeah. Because she's horrified by this. Now, the thing that Benny fails to tell her and that he needs to point out is, listen, I've already got myself in deep with some really heavy and nasty people. If I don't deliver... They're taking me out, too, and there will be no more Benny. Yeah. This is already going to happen. a dead guy's head who doesn't even need it anymore, or Benny's head who, who does need it. <laughs> <laughs> and so does she, because apparently Benny likes to give head. Yeah. Because he kind of implied that earlier in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> so they end up making it into the room, which is another thing we need to talk about. They get to this hotel to spend for the night, and... The guy doesn't want to let Alita in there because he automatically assumes that she is a prostitute, which Benny has had enough of this woman being mistreated. Yeah. And yeah. so the lizard brain activates. He kicks the door open, grabs a hold of the guy and threatens him, basically saying, listen, you pluck out one of those keys while I sign the register, basically saying, if you don't do this, you're going to get hurt. And then <laughs> I love the little coda at the end of that where Alita's like, your best room too, please. <laughs> Like, how dare you, you fucking bastard. That's I know. It just the assumption that she's a prostitute, which is obviously what this man's think is just what the hell gives you that impression? I don't understand. It's just awful. And I came into that. I first I thought it's because he's like the guy noticing no rings. Yeah. So he just thought, oh, they're not a married couple. We don't describe to that. Yeah. Like even I thought he was even more like just a religiously and was like, uh, no, you're not married. Like, you even think she was a prostitute. He was just like, no, you're you guys aren't married. You can't stay here together. Right. Well, yeah, he doesn't shit. say it that way. He specifically says we don't allow and then pauses to stare at her very uncomfortably. Yeah. yeah. Which if she were a different race than him would be like a racial statement. But oh, yeah. Big this time. was more misogynistic and just assuming she was a prostitute. Yeah. Because apparently he finds her attractive or something. I don't know. Oh, probably. I guess well, that that's one of the weirder things about this movie. Now, this may seem strange, but uh, the actress who plays Alita, when I first see her in this movie, I don't think think that she's particularly attractive because they go out of their way to not make her up. Uh, she's I don't know she's ever wearing makeup in this picture. I don't think they're doing anything to, you know, for lack of a better term, gussy her up. But what's weird is that as the movie goes on, I find her more and more pretty. She becomes more attractive to me as the movie goes on. And I can't figure out if there's something subtle, whether it's just I'm some kind of sick pervert, or <laughs> if there's something subtle being done in either the way she's being photographed, or if they're doing something subtle with makeup and lighting so that she's presented in a prettier fashion visually. Because by the the last third of the film, her final scenes, I think she's just gorgeous. And I can't tell if it's because you've gotten to know her better and you feel closer to her because of what you've learned about her and you sympathize with her more, or if they're doing some cool-ass movie trickery, I just haven't been able to suss it out. Yeah, I don't know if they are pulling some kind of thing where they're subtly putting more and more makeup on her and maybe fixing her hair a little bit more. There's certain sequences that once they get to a place that they can stay, obviously she gets herself cleaned up and she does seem to have a little bit more makeup to her and everything. One of the things that I think they specifically do that actually makes you feel for her more and sort of see the appeal and the, the attraction and also the love that Benny is having is you get to know their relationship and you get to see what it is about her that he likes and so the movie slowly but surely makes you kind of fall in love with her as a character and you kind of are seeing her through Benny's eyes whereas when we first start the film we're seeing everybody outside of every other perspective and by the end of the film as far as I'm concerned we're in Benny's head whether we want to be or not. Yes you're definitely by the end you're definitely in benny's head i and agree 
Right. And so at the back third of the film that you were talking about there earlier, Rod, I think that we're already in Benny's head at that point. And so you see the beauty that he sees in her, both, you know, physically and emotionally, like everything that he's tying to her that he has for his feelings. I think we're in his headspace and that's why the film is doing that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. So while they're in the room, Alita is apparently showering and Benny is kind of laying around in bed. And it seems like she's been in the shower for an awful long time. So Benny gets up out of the bed and goes to check on her in the shower, which is essentially the bathroom with a shower head in it. It's just all tiled. Very utilitarian and interesting. <laughs> he finds her actually sitting on the floor of the shower, which is a really bad idea. I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> swamp lands are going to get cleaner with that. No, because you're basically draining the swamp into another swamp <laughs> in a hotel bathtub. <laughs> But anyway, so he checks on her. She's sitting there on the shower floor and obviously the weight of everything that has just happened to her is being too much and she's crying. And Benny just pops a squat right there on the floor right next to her just outside of the shower stall in the, the bathroom area. Reaches in and touches her face and just kind of looks at her. We see things literally from her perspective for a moment where Benny's looking at her and tells her that he loves her. It's a very touching moment. They kiss for just a brief moment and then he embraces her just to kind of comfort her in the turmoil that she's had. And it's literally the first moment that you actually see even a hint of true vulnerability in her even after that attack. And it's a part of her that you don't really get to see again because the minute the next day comes to, she's got those walls right back up and she's that strong character that she was earlier hiding everything behind that facade i yeah. agree it's a great scene until this viewing it had not occurred to me because it's been so long since i've watched this movie there's a callback to that shower scene where the two of them end up sitting there just holding each other in casino royale with uh, daniel craig and eva green and i can't help but think that the scene where eva green's character has now witnessed the physical violence that's just a part of james bond's life and he comes in and she's sitting fully dressed in the shower just letting water wash over her and he just comes in and they speak and he sits down next to her fully dressed and just adjusts the water to make it a little bit warmer. That seems like a callback to this and it, it accomplishes the same thing. There's so much communicated just by the fact that he's willing to sit there, just physically touch her and hold her while she's working her way through what she's just experienced. And also trying to come to terms with the fact that she fell in love with a monster who's capable of severing a corpse's head just to get $10,000. Or murder people with his bare hands in the case of Casino Royale, yeah. Right. And she also did just watch her man gun down two men yeah, very coldly, very calmly, without any other emotion than calling them a son of a bitch, and then just popping two in each of their hearts. Yep. No problem. Bye-bye. And the first one he shoots in the lung to make him suffer, but to incapacitate him. Yes. Just so he can say some horrid shit to him and then kill him. Well, of course. <laughs> well, it's fucking Benny. That's what Benny does. Yeah. <laughs> Benny's going to make sure you hear some rancid shit about yourself and then kill you. <laughs> yeah, well probably slugging on a fucking tequila bottle or some other cheap booze that he can get his hands on. Whatever's going on, man. Whatever, <laughs> Whatever's happening happens. Yeah. All right, so they cut away from this to the pair travel to the small village with the festival going on of some sort. There's a fucking merry-go-round, and I just assume that this tiny little village in Mexico doesn't always have a merry-go-round. Maybe I'm being prejudicial. I don't know. It just seems like too small of a town for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so this weird festival thing is going on, and did anybody else get severely irritated by the goddamn kids that keep hopping up yeah. on the fender hey, man, of his get, back get the car. fuck off the car get the fuck off the trunk of the car you fucking little shit insurance doesn't cover that 
The car it's a cheap up ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if the kid got hurt, you know, that's fine. You're fucking insurance. Well, I don't know if that's how that no works. No one has insurance. Especially in Mexico. There's no car insurance. Come on. <laughs> no. While they're moving through the town, Alita says something about at this furniture store, she can inquire about where Alfredo is and that she will be able to find out or ascertain that information from the owner. She goes to talk to the guy, but basically never even brings up anything having to do with Alfredo Garcia. She just asked the guy about his furniture store and all of this other stuff. So not even a goddamn word about Alfredo Garcia. Again, she's trying to delay the inevitable or make it seem like they can't find him or anything like that. Well, she's not trying to delay anything. She's flat out lying to him so that they don't can't do it. Like, oh, no luck. Don't know where he is. The problem is that she is a horrible liar and Benny knows right off the bat that she is lying. So he kind of chastises her a little bit and then orders her to take him right to the cemetery because he knows that he's dead, so he has to be buried here is how it works. So they do that, but on the way there, they happen upon a funeral for a small child who apparently tried to sit on the back of a car and his head ended up underneath a tire. I'm just guessing. Oh, Jesus. It's probably a good guess. I mean, yeah, kind (laughs) of. Either that or that fucking kid was back on the escalator again. Get that kid off the fucking escalator. So there's this weird funeral for a child that uh, has this really joyous music in the background with a band that I just didn't get, but I wasn't going to really say much other than that. And they're on their way to find Alfredo's grave. But on their way there, where they're walking in, Alita buys some flowers, which I'm assuming is by cover, but it also might be because she's going to visit the grave of someone she was in love with, so maybe she does want to pay some respects. Yes, probably. Which is probably the biggest problem that she has about this, is this was a man that she just spent a wonderful weekend with and did care about. So him having his head severed so she can get 10 grand probably bothers her a little bit. Yeah. But then she also <laughs> has to probably feel like uh, how much can she really fight Benny on this where they were supposed to be in a relationship and she sort of, you know, yeah, the conflicted on him. The conflicted fucking horror this woman must be in right now knowing that the more she persists to not desecrate Alfredo's corpse, the more Benny's going to get jealous of the fact that they had a weekend together yeah. and this could ruin her current relationship. The more more feels like Benny's like, well, why the fuck am I even with you that you apparently love this corpse? more than me so there are family members still and also probably friends but just basically loved ones of the deceased alfredo mourning at his graveside still fucking mourning this guy's been dead for how long now a few days at least no he's been dead a lot longer well apparently it was a tragic loss when he got drunk and crashed his car into a bunch of rocks and died well what a fucking idiot but (laughs) jesus christ people move on with your fucking lives well the mourning period is obviously not up for them and they're there and right at the grave which at one point i think alita actually kneels down at the grave and lays her flowers on the grave and then Benny goes up to kind of talk to them but they basically don't want Benny or Alita there and they rush them off they're very like get out of here you don't belong here you know I think they call Benny a gringo at some point yeah so Benny says they're still there to pay their respects so they decide to go and get a room and he buys some fucking booze and they scope out the shithole of a room that they're at their fucking door to their bedroom area is just a blanket just tacked to the door jam (laughs) and then the door to the Classy joint. The door to the outside is barred with a fucking shitty tree limb I wouldn't even use to stoke an outdoor fire. Right? (laughs) It's really fucking flimsy. It's really, yeah, it's bad. (laughs) The security of this place, not so good. No. So, Benny tries to assure Alita once again that they are doing the right thing to bring the head of Alfredo Garcia as they were earlier instructed in the film, and that leads to our next mini clip. I promise I'll put the grave back just the way I found it. Nobody's gonna miss him anyhow. Alfredo's been trying to beat this rap all his life. So have I, so have you. He loved you. But I love you now. 
think he'd give a damn if his head could buy you what you've always been looking for. Way out. There's a church here. Could we go there? Yeah. Later. I got to go. I'm going with you. No. Okay, so in that little mini clip is actually quite a lot of story kind of packed in there. She kind of is like edging towards let's get married before you go do this horrible thing because that will sustain her through what she has to allow him to do. Well, then maybe it's like for her, it's like, well, at least it's, you know, it, her to start husband, our life. Yeah. Her husband now is doing something horrible, but she can support that. Yeah, she can support her husband who was giving her some commitment. Yes. And then he's just flat out. No way more commitment than a corpse can give her. Clip. Well, Clip. yeah. <laughs> it depends upon the corpse because <laughs> you know they'll always be where you left them well weekend at bernie's i mean he could probably be pretty committal or yeah but weekend at bernie's too all it takes is a little reggae and he's yeah. up and moving oh my god <laughs> i have never seen either film and i plan to remain a bernie virgin the rest of my life Fucking somehow rude. that's a clip yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, she does end up going with him there at the end, even though he says no and flat out insists not. But I'm thinking at this point, she's like, fine, you won't marry me. I'm going to be here for this horrible thing the entire time. I'm going to watch you do it. Yeah, that's how it's going to go. You have to do it with me watching you do it. That's usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if that's not a clip, I don't know what is. That's, that definitely should be a clip. She goes all along the way while he digs up the grave. She tries to be as respectful as possible. And I think he resents the fact that she's there and while she's trying to remove the flowers to protect them and everything he purposely fucking ruins the flowers of the arrangements that are on the grave by shoving his shovel through them while staring at her as a way to like you don't want to be here for this like trying to shoo her off and she's just like you're going to do this horrible thing I'm going to be here is how it goes <laughs> and it's all played out silently on their faces and the way that it's masterfully edited back and forth between this like power struggle that they have going and it's just so beautiful and well done yeah, well, yeah let's take a point to note that these two actors are fantastic in this film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I expect brilliance from Warren Oates. This is the first film I'd ever seen. Elisa Vega, the actress, they're fantastic together. I mean, Warren Oates, he was, you know, my lord, he was an acting god back when, you know, Hollywood would still cast actors who looked like real human beings instead of models. And he's just phenomenal in this. No, I wholeheartedly agree. The entire movie is hung around the structure of their love for each other and eventually what ends up happening because of this decision that he makes without even consulting her and bring her into it, even though it affects both of their lives so horrendously. And some of the choices that he makes ends up basically ruining his life and taking her. Spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't know what's happening in the next couple of minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right. So she watches as he continues about his grim work and does some digging. And at one point, he even angrily grabs the grave marker before it falls and tosses it off to the side, even though he doesn't really need to do it that way. Um, no. At this point, well, he's working out a lot of shit right now. All of his frustration for all of her sexual, you know, whatever she's been doing behind his back and particularly with Alfredo, he's working out right here. I think he's more or less resolute to just desecrate fucking Alfredo's corpse just out of jealousy alone at this point. He's probably going to pee on it. The 10,000 is just a fucking icing it, on the it's, cake. It's the cherry on top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of this fucking Sunday of desecrating the corpse of a man that nearly told your girl. <laughs> oh, God. 
He opens the casket and grabs that sword that is meant for severing limbs. Well, he goes to do his dark deed, but then a very upset and ashamed Alita is disgusted and walks away. We then see him go to actually do the dark deed with the machete or sword or whatever you want to call it. And he gets knocked out flat with a fucking shovel and comes to buried in the dirt, gasping for air as he sits up. Yeah, that was dark. That was that, an amazing. That's cut. a fear right there. Buried yeah, alive. Yeah. I mean, everyone has that. No one <sighs> wants to be buried alive. Yeah. And clearly, whoever buried him like that thought that they had actually killed him from knocking I, yeah, him unconscious. Yeah, I think they just thought he was dead already. Well, considering that he's a full-fledged alcoholic and he probably has a problem with vitamin K and therefore the blood won't clot very easily, the head wound probably looked to them like he was done and they actually capped him. I don't know what any of that's about. Hey, by the way, I uh, cut myself like a week ago and it still won't stop. So I'm a little worried. <laughs> yeah. By the <laughs> way, Court, I'm, I'm really impressed with the amount of medical knowledge you have about your friend's disease <laughs> well i'm obsessive compulsive rod i have to study up on things <laughs> <laughs> it's true and a handful of times his anal retentive attention to detail has yielded positive results and saved your life more or less <laughs> which i still regret every time i do it yeah i know still don't know why but fuck you uh, you know that's why people tune into this show it's a love story <laughs> Between a man and the thing he hates. Well, it's still a better love story than Twilight, so... Oh, shit, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so they were both buried, both him and Elita, but somehow he survived and she did not. This is the point where we end up fully in his mind, where we are seeing the film through Warren Oates' character of Benny. Because at some point, you were actually convinced that she was breathing and sitting up on her own accord while he's holding her and talking to her. You and he were says, hoping. And you see it like where he's like, oh, thank God you're alive or whatever. And then he goes to get up and she falls back down. And that's when he starts slapping her face. And like he slaps her so many times where Ugh. you would get at least some type of like response to yeah. the, the physical part of her body that would have like reddening to the cheeks from getting hit. And there's nothing. And that's just like you realize this after like the second hit and then he keeps going and it just gets more and more dour. He looks down and sees that Alfredo's head is missing. So literally everything has been taken from him in this moment. He still refuses to accept that Alita is dead and continues to talk to her while trying to dig her out. This is Nile at the worst possible stage, and yeah. it's really heartbreaking. Oh, it's it's really sad. He even gets angry and has a fit of jealousy because he realizes that her body is lying with Alfredo Garcia's and he can't remove her because of the dirt. It's too much and he can't dig her out. He just continues to get more upset and starts yelling things at the grave and Alfredo Garcia. Yep. Then we see him walking his way out of the graveyard. This has got to be the worst hangover he has ever had in his life. Exactly. <laughs> Being buried alive and knocked out unconscious and, with a shovel. Oh well, yeah, hitting the head with a shovel, man. Yeah. That'll do it. And you got a good trail of blood coming off of him as well. Yeah. He goes to hop into his car, but he stops at, I guess, a horse trough was what it looks like to wash up. And it's like a little watering trough area he turns on the water and starts cleaning himself up when two guys end up sneaking up on him he turns around and pulls his gun on them asks them if anyone was looking for garcia besides him they say yeah the two men were apparently in a green truck and then the other guy corrects him and says that it's something about a station wagon and that leads to our next mini clip in a green car in a green station wagon they didn't ask anything cut cut damn it Son of a bitch, I'll kill you right there. We get goddamn move when I say move, you motherfucker. Goddamn fucking eyes. Come out of the dark, homie, you bastards. 
I'm gonna nail you. Somewhere I'm gonna nail you. You're up there. You're up there, you son of... I'm gonna find you. Damn your eyes. God, let me see that green station away. Okay, so he happens upon the station wagon with a flat tire there, and in the clip... Was that last guy just you? <laughs> yeah, kind of. You do all the drinking while I do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, it's weird that you put your own voice into the clips for the movie. <laughs> Have you actually noticed in that clip when he's talking to himself, he's talking out loud, but you hear his voice doubled as if you're hearing his inner monologue as he's talking? Yeah. I think oh, that was intentional. Then he's gone bye-bye. Oh, yeah. And we're there with him. That's yeah. the most uncomfortable part. We're, is going while, for the, we're going for the ride. While we're driving, even though we're looking at Benny, it's like we're Benny outside of Benny's own mind. Yeah. And it's just really disturbing because like the whole time you're like, you go, dude. You got this. You got to yeah. get some vengeance. Like, Go get some murders done. When he wakes up in the grave, it's like we're, we're trapped inside of him or like we're his spirit that exited the body while the rest of him goes for revenge. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is one of the questions that you have about this film is, are we supposed to take the final act of this picture as literal or? Or is this a fantasy? Like, is he pretending or believing that this is what he's doing as he's heading on his way out? It's possible to read this as he laid there in that grave and died, and this is all his imaginings. Now, I don't read it that way because I think you're right. We're inside this guy's head, and it's that whole segment of the film where he's riding along with this severed head in a bag and talking to it like it's still alive. This is a man just torn to shreds. Nothing exists anymore for him that makes any sense, and so he's just making it up as he goes along. I think whatever Benny was, whatever hopes, whatever dreams, whatever life he had, died in that grave when he was buried alive. The thing that comes out of that grave is Benny's body, and it's alive, and it has Benny's consciousness, it has Benny's spirit, but what Benny was is gone. This thing is just there to get vengeance for what happened to Benny and Alita. The, the, the personality that was Benny's gone, yeah. now all that's left is just a murder machine. Whatever the thing is that the personality of Benny was floating on top of yeah. underneath Benny's body is now been unleashed. Yeah. yeah. You could look at it either way, but I think he's physically still alive, but spiritually speaking, Benny's gone once yeah. he gets up out of right. the grave. Yeah, there's no right. Benny anymore. <laughs> there is no Benny, only Zool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's a vengeance demon at this point. I mean, he really has no, he, he has no purpose beyond just taking revenge on anything that gets in his way. So at the end of the clip there, when Benny happens upon them and they're complaining about the one guy does all the driving, the other guy does all the drinking, they're changing out a tire. Basically, it leads to a shootout where Benny murders these thugs. The way he does it is so ingenious. He crashes into their car with a sliding bit to give himself cover, but to have them separate and run in opposite directions of the car to get away from the car crash that's about to happen. Yeah. Fucking tactical genius yeah. right there. Oh my God, it was awesome. Then he that's what I'm saying. I think like, I don't think he was just regular army. I think he was special forces. And so now like the fabable, like drunk Benny's gone and now just rage mode, special forces, knows how to kill everybody. Benny's here. I believe that he didn't need special forces to be the killing machine that he is. I think that whatever training he had, he was just really good at what he does. Yeah. This is a guy who probably survived in the worst part of Vietnam and came back and just hid out in Mexico from everything, including himself. Mm. That's the way I look at it. Good time. I think you're right. That's the impression that I got is this is a guy who was a long-term soldier, was very good at murder to a degree, and I think that he came back damaged and 
this is the end result. Now, I'm not going to go too much into the actual shootout, but I did love the part where he hops up in the air to shoot downward over top of the car at the guy and still gets better shots than the guy shooting up from the ground right? at him on the other side of the car. But he just murderizes the fuck out of these two dudes very quick. <laughs> <laughs> his talent with a gun is insane yeah 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 that's, yeah that's the one thing benny's good at he can't play piano fourth a damn he's not a good human being but goddamn, he can murder some motherfuckers he knows a way with a gun yeah. we didn't mention it at the beginning of the film but the way the beginning of this movie is laid out you're not sure if you're watching a western or a contemporary film until we suddenly get jump shots you know really jagged cuts of cars and planes and a lot of modern stuff and that's because the idea is that this is a Western in modern dress. And that, of course, paints Benny as a gunfighter, a gunslinger, one of those dissolute ex-soldiers who came home from the war with certain skills that, whether he wants them or not, exist and will be useful and might get in the way, too. I kind of get the feeling that this movie could have very easily been like a spaghetti Western with Clint Eastwood type film where he's back from the Civil War and he's drinking and hanging out in this Mexico bar somewhere playing piano and just basically in the same type of scenario but they're going to take a horse-drawn carriage out to go collect the head to another town somewhere else yeah you could very easily place this out of time and that's the beauty of the film is even though we're dealing with cars and planes and all these other modes of transportation it's a story that is literally out of time it could exist at any point in time we just so happen to have conveyances of the time of the 70s that we recognize yeah yeah. All right. So with both of those two thugs dead, he finally claims Alfredo's head. And I mention this because the sound of the head hitting the door on the way out of the car. And then when he turns around, hitting the side of the car door signifies that head is in the bag. Yes. Alfredo's head is like the thing that's in the suitcase that they collect from Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction. You never get to see it. No. But you know it's there. Hey, he's literally got this in the bag. Literally. Hmm? He's got it by the He's ass. Got it in the <laughs> he puts a few extra rounds into one of the thugs and starts basically screaming about, of course, it feels goddamn good. I don't care if I'm wasting bullets or something like that. Because I'm yeah. guessing he assumes that that guy is the one that may have caused Delita's death, or at least he's working out his aggression with that. He's just plugging bullets into a body at this <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, dude, you're really far gone at that point. And then he heads out to try and claim his cash. He's driving along, trying to shoo away all of the flies being attracted to the head of a corpse. And... A carload of people are in pursuit of Benny. Now, we heard mention that Alfredo was in a car crash and died when he hit some rocks. Does anybody get the inclination that that is the car that they're driving? That's Alfredo's car because it's all fucked up and beat to shit. The and it looks car? no, the green the, car the green that, one, that was oh, yeah. all fucked up and beat to shit, and that it well, rolled I don't over. Because oh, uh, why, why else Maybe. would they be driving that car? Maybe that was the only car that they had, so they took Alfredo's car to try and reclaim what Benny took. Yeah, maybe because that yeah. is his family and loved ones. I, That's true. I never thought of it until this time watching it. And I'm like, is that fucking Alfredo's car? Is that the car he died in? Interesting. <laughs> that might be. Yeah, <laughs> it would have to be. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't see why else it would be that beat up. Because it looked like it was brand new, except for it got really fucked up in a car crash. (laughs) (laughs) They're in pursuit of Benny, and that actually leads to our next mini clip. What's so special about you anyway, huh? Get out. You got something valuable inside, huh? 
Come out, come out, baby. You got jewels in your ears, diamonds up your nose. You son of a bitch. It wasn't worth it, baby. It wasn't worth it. I'll be damned if she's not keeping the best part of you company. You low life bastard. Three days, three nights. I hope you enjoyed her. I did. Hell, it wasn't your fault. I know that. We're gonna find out. You and me. Buenos dias, señor. A sus órdenes. Um, huevos frivoltos, uh, cerveza muy frío, por favor. All right, so just a little quick translation. He stops to order beer and some food, but he yeah. orders lots of beer and a little bit of food just to kind of sustain him there. And when he stops to get that beer and food, a kid asks if he wants to have his car washed, which Benny says, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then the kid ends up asking about the flies because he points out, you have a lot of flies in your car, in which Benny's like, yeah, that's probably not good. So he asks for some ice to preserve the head. The lady orders the kid to go get some ice, and Benny's like, no, nah, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the ice i'll go do it myself i'm just saying and so while he's loading up on the ice the people in the car that i'm assuming was alfredo's are on their way for revenge and they drive up see him and then drive past and take off the kid then asks what is in the bag and then benny says that it's a dead cat that belonged to a friend of his and he's trying to take it back to him which is kind of grim yeah right because if you think about the 70s like you know terms it is a dead cat in the bag (laughs) (laughs) it belongs to a friend of his yeah which was Alita's man at one point. So technically he's not lying. He's just talking around the truth. (laughs) That's a, that's a weird way of looking at it, but you're right. That's how I roll Rod. I have weird ways of looking at everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we love you and fear you. And you should fear me. Yeah. I I love to be loved and feared while driving. Benny has an audio flashback of his happier days with Alita. Again, we're in his mind. So we get to hear that with the hallucinations, chug some booze down. So he's doing some drunk drugs driving with a corpse head not a very good idea and then uh, decides I, I don't know man this whole movie's not been a good idea the entirety of every decision everyone's ever made <laughs> yeah, in this film is a bad idea i mean all starting with getting pregnant it's a- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. We're back to that now. It's all been pretty much par for the course. Yeah. Okay, so he decides to dump a whole bunch of the bottle of booze onto the corpse head. I don't know if that's to disinfect it to get rid of the smell on the flies or because he wants to have Al have a drink, but he does say something about have a drink, Al, or something like that and dumps well, a bunch of liquor on That's what I did earlier. Yeah, fair enough. And so he narrowly avoids another car crash whenever the people pull the car out to stop him and just do a roadblock. He does a skidding out, and then we see that they meant to stop him intentionally to try and get Alfredo's head back and it is the town folk that we saw some of them kneeled around his grave and then just other people that he confronted while washing his face off after being buried alive they bear down on him with a shitload of rifles and that leads to our next clip I know about graves what's done is done right it's finito kill people worse a whole lot worse but I'm gonna keep him I'm not giving him back I didn't do it but I would have that's just the way it goes you do this for dinero, you do this for money, eh? No. See, take it. That's all I got. For favor. God damn you! I'm gonna finish this with him! Uh, Alfredo, senor, give it to me. I ain't giving you nothing. Buenos dias. Perdone me, uh, usted habla inglés? Yeah, a couple of us do. Oh, good. I see you've had a little trouble here, huh? We've got some trouble, too. It's like we're kind of lost. Everything okay? Yeah. Well, look, uh, you see, we left here. We're trying to get to there. Now, where's the cutoff? It's right here. But you're going to have to take it. Oh, well, we're going to have to take it, I see. I see. Well, thank you very much. Gracias. Well, we found it. It's right here. We're going to have to make our move now. 
And with that, they murder lies everybody <laughs> around that. them. Oh, we're going to have to take it. All right. All yeah. Right. Where's the cutoff? I Where's love the, that yeah. terminology. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. It was all, that was so awesome. Where's the cutoff? Oh, it's here. You're going to have to take it. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to take it. Well, let's say we'll have to make our move now. Yeah. So brilliant the way that this whole sequence is put together. gun tears through everyone. Oh, yeah, 45 ACP, baby. <laughs> God, my love of killing machines. I really need to throw that back a little bit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I'm worried now that you're going to, like, at one point or another in some film, explain to us the intricacies of a thresher. Uh, That could happen. That may have a hay baler or (laughs) some kind of industrial car masher. And what it actually does to a human body when it goes through it, because I may or may not have read up on that and or studied it by throwing a person into one. Yeah, I can just hear you now. That's a DLC three. That's great. That's got the combustion engine that kicks in (laughs) with an extra. It's it's like Rod knows me. It knows that I study up on shit like (laughs) way too much. And it's really shame what happened to Timmy. (laughs) He was back on that fucking escalator I know. Again. I just don't know, man. <laughs> just saying. Okay, so they kill everyone, but one old guy just kind of hanging out, and then Benny, obviously. They even asked Benny if he was hit, and he says no. I think Benny just grabbed some fucking asphalt and like just waited for this oh, all did. to blow over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's just that one old man who's like holding his fucking hands up in the air the entire time. There's one rifleman left who gets one shot out, and then he gets taken down, and he gets a pretty barely lucky shot there. He shoots one of the, the guy with the Tommy gun yeah. and it kills him. Yeah, but it's a lucky shot that he got off just yeah. in time because yeah. the guy with the com- Tommy gun wasn't paying attention. But the guy with the Tommy gun had enough left in him to actually take that guy out. Yeah. Or the guy took off. I don't know which, but you never see no, him again he, after he that. No, he gets taken out. Yeah. You see him get shot. And then one of the thugs actually ends up checking the head and then finds that his partner is dead. Mm-hmm. And did anybody get the inclination uh, that these two were kind of a couple? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Which would make, because this is the same two in the bar, which the would make elbow the, the elbow process. Prostitute for grab, yeah. instead of politely more, telling her to go away yeah which yeah. makes it a little bit more makes sense as to yeah, why he would do that because that guy was like bawling and like or like yeah. really affected yeah so these guys were obviously a couple yeah. yeah i like the way they handle it here as them being a couple yeah. now having a gay man just fucking elbow a woman in the face for touching his junk instead of just shoving her away yeah that i have a problem with yeah that was a dick move yeah, yeah. having a man elbow a woman in the face for anything other than her asking him to do it is bad yeah <laughs> well i think that scene in the bar when he does that that's once again, these two characters establishing themselves as people to be feared in that room. And that's just a straightforward way to do it. Either Rod didn't catch what you said, or he's just trying to just ignore it and push on. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Fair enough, either yeah. way. Kind of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Little yeah. column A, little column B. Right, put your hands <laughs> together. <laughs> the one guy ends up trying to kill Benny because he's pissed about what happened here where he lost Johnny, the man that he loves. And then Benny gets the drop on him and puts puts a couple of caps into him, grabs some money from Johnny's corpse. Did you notice that? He's starting yeah. to roll people just to kind oh, of yeah. fund him moving further. Gotta get going, yeah. man. Gas ain't cheap. Yeah. He steals their car and grabs Alfredo's head and then takes off. They cut from this to Benny is now back at his apartment as he chats up Al's head. He's drinking a bunch and then stumbles around before he finally 
breaks up a bunch of ice that he was carrying and puts it into the bag with the head and then dumps some water from the shower on top of it, trying to keep that head going as long as possible. Now, when you mentioned earlier a parallel between shower scenes, Rod, I thought you were talking about this. Oh, no, no, no. Because he ends up talking about how his lady Alita used to take a shower in there and she loved it very much. And now Al gets to sit in there and be comfortable. And while he's talking to Al, it's like where he was a kind of a happy man, even though what had happened to Alita that had her in the shower while he's expressing his love for her and now here where he's expressing his disdain for everything that's happened and what he's brought upon himself i just kind of saw a parallel there a little bit well this is the scene that's a lot like sequences in other stories where you see two men who love the same woman who's now passed on and they've gotten over their own jealousies about the situation and are now just kind of Honestly, growing closer together, talking about the person that they both loved without the thing between them being alive and active. You know, it's it. And, and of course, this is all in Benny's head, which makes it even stranger. Well, I got <laughs> even a lot more anger for Benny. His jealousy is even more because on more than one occasion, he goes, great. Now she's with you. The best part of yeah, you is now she's buried you. with you. The best part of yeah, you. Yeah, best part of you. And yeah, a lot of like references that now they're together and that makes him even matter and yeah in a very imperfect and really fucked up movie he would have been able to get her body out and would have kept her with him yeah and then taken alfredo's head and he would have had them all in the car yes but that's a bit excessive for what they need to do and there's no way he'd be able to tool around and stop at places and keep moving like he was yeah exactly that's just not going to happen that's why she needed to stay there and why they had to leave her behind and obviously that upset him more than anything he's just jealous that she's still with him and because in his head they're both kind of still around yeah, right. Because <laughs> Benny's gone around the bend. If you have any question about whether or not Benny's crazy at this point, this scene should really, it should put an end to that question for you. He ends up reloading his gun by taking out the empty clip, putting in the clean clip that has all the bullets still in it that was in one of his drawers that he dumps out onto the bed, and then sits there reloading the clip that he previously took out to make sure it has enough bullets, right before kind of laying back in bed and then talking to a photo of Alita for a moment. And I get the feeling that he kind of passes out here on the side of bed yeah they cut away from this to he takes the head to the hotel room from earlier where he got the assignment and because it's kind of the only usable dialogue left in the film <laughs> that's our <laughs> next clip hello uh, benny benny hello benny i thought you would be back soon oh uh, yes uh, that's it huh yeah well it's all here you can count it if you want to it's all there hell of a job benny come let me show you just uh put it on the table here benny here it is. Do you want to check it? Oh, we'll check it. But you're too smart to stiff us. How much is it worth? How much is it really worth? Ten grand is all you'd get, bartender. What do you want it for? Not you guys. You don't want it. What the hell would you want with us? No questions, Benny. The 10,000 answers it all. Put it on the table. We'll check it. And then adios. Go and have yourself a party or two. You deserve it. No. Come on, bartender. You're deaf. You're either that or you're a bigger schmuck than you look like. I deaf. Like to keep the basket. Okay. Keep it. Thanks. See, this belonged to a very special lady. Once upon a time, she filled it up with food, and we went on a picnic. We turned off a dirt road. We ate the food she prepared with her hands, very special hands. And that's why I'd like to know why you don't. Dang it! And tell me what the hit of Alfredo Garcia is worth. And to who? Comprendo! Comprendo! 
confesses the man who will pay. So Benny ends up killing his way to the truth through those people. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he is unbelievably deadly when he's got nothing else left to lose. Well, that's a lot of people. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. He just but, I mean, Benny is something special with a fucking handgun. He does not waste yeah. a single fucking bullet. Uh-uh. Every single bullet is placed precisely where he means it to be. And it's horrific how good he is at killing. I can see why you want him to be a special forces guy, Matt. Yeah. Because you don't want just an average army guy to be this good at killing. No, man. <laughs> it's horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> he's just he's an, an angel of death. that good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what he transforms into when he comes out of the grave. He comes back from the death of being Benny as a human being. He's as fucking a Robocop with that handgun. He's a spirit of fucking vengeance coming yeah. to get these people for what they've done to him by basically attracting him with the offer of just easy money. Yeah. You know, well, have you noticed the number of times in the movie that they mentioned three days and three nights, which yeah. is, it just seems to be a reference to the resurrection of Jesus. If this is kind of a dark version of that, his resurrection as this vengeance demon is just that much darker and more evil from that point of view. Yeah. And especially because the three days and three nights were how much time that Elite had spent with Alfred. And it's almost like he gets three days and three nights to avenge what happened to her. That's all he has left. And that's why they keep focusing in on that. And it seems like that's what he ends up doing is three days and three nights of vengeance. Yeah. (laughs) The guy does end up giving him an address after he shoots the guy trying to like, you know, here, just take the card and go. Don't kill us anymore. Yeah. (laughs) But it's too late for him. He's done. Don't kill me so much. Please. (laughs) I'm already dead. I'm already dead. I'm already already dead. dead. I can't die anymore. (laughs) You killing me. He's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's that bitch from Friday the 13th. (laughs) Yeah. So he ends up killing his way through those guys to get that address. Then he rolls some of the corpses for more of the cash that he needs. Ends up finding that locket from earlier in the film that has a picture of Alfredo's head on it and heads off to deliver the head to the man looking for it. And while driving up to deliver it, the baby of Alfredo Garcia is being baptized in a ceremony. He is searched and they end up finding the head and then take him into the compound to meet El Jefe as the baptism continues and then ends as he arrives in to see the party that's taking place afterwards. Do I really need to get into the symbolism of life and death together with the no. birth and the baptism and you know don't. hell and no. damnation? It's all there and it's yeah. this is the more obvious it's of the flavors. It's a little bit preachy at this point. Yeah, but that's in the film it's more obvious it's there and I just wanted to point out that it yeah. is there. I don't need to get into it and explain it. People no, get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. The more subtle thing here is that suddenly El Jefe, I'll pronounce it correctly I promise. See, see You'll notice he's extremely happy to have a grandson, not grandchild, not granddaughter, grandson. I wonder if he would be such a happy man at the birth of this child if it were a girl. Probably not, but now that he has a way to carry on his name through the daughter, even though he didn't think he'd be able to do it, even though the kid is illegitimate, he's very happy to have a grandson to continue the bloodline, much like good old day from the Coffin Joe films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was referencing. Continue the blood. <laughs> Which is very important, apparently, in this culture. <laughs> and it's all over the place. Yeah. All right. So he walks into the party celebrating the baptism and the birth of the grandchild and straight up tells the guy in front of his daughter 
while holding his grandchild, I have the head that you are looking for. Garcia's right here. Did you see the look on her face at how like immediately sad, upset, and angry yeah. she is all at once? Oh, yeah. That actress played those micro expressions perfectly the way really that she good. did that. Yeah. El Jefe leads him into his office. We saw earlier when the girl was being interrogated. Offers him a drink because it's supposed to be a celebration. Benny states that he has nothing to celebrate. He pulls out the head and is given the money. And all of this is set up in our final mini clip. I'm a very happy man. I got nothing to celebrate. Here's the merchandise you bought. In paid for. Take it and go. I have everything that I want. I have my grandson. So go. Don't forget to take that and throw it to the pig. No. Sixteen people are dead because of him. One of the things that Benny does that we were remiss to actually talk about earlier is he does a really good job of hiding his weapon in the corpse head. Yes. Or in the bag with the corpse head. All the time. Because no one wants to dig that close and, and look. no when shooting. It's almost like the no centers him. <laughs> That's his targeting. <laughs> no! The, in that case, it's other people screaming no as the, he's shooting yeah, at them. Well, I thought he was screaming no, no. the whole time. Is that other people? No, he's screaming stuff, but yeah. it's not no. That's other people no. basically uh, not wanting to die by Benny's hand. Well, think about a, how embarrassing it is to be shot by a fucking loser alcoholic piano man that you know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like a mafia crime boss. You're the jefe and yeah, you're, you're being murderized by this fucking loser. <laughs> now all I can <laughs> see is being shot to death by a drunken Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now, now, alternative the, photographers, we need that. We need, we need Billy least, Joel on Benny's fucking body. At least the jefe has the excuse that he's not armed and sitting in a chair. How would you like to be one of those guards? You're heavily armed. You should be probably, if you're in the inner sanctum like that, you're probably the best at what you do. And this drunken loser piano player takes you out with a pistol while you have like fucking machine guns and rifles and shit if i were there and this is one of those things that we always do where people make a mistake in a horror movie or whatever but like the guy starts digging around in a fucking bag that he brought to you i'm shooting him dead yeah i'm fucking pulling him away from that thing i'm like get away from that you freak take the money and get out shoot him i would shoot him dead (laughs) who cares now we get to keep the money and have the head (laughs) and we throw both of them to the pigs yes this is why we would be great criminals man we would be we would have done this right (laughs) All right, let's finish up the movie here. This leads to Benny slaughtering the hell out of all of Hefe's men there in the room and then turns to slaughter him with the gun. He puts a couple in El Hefe and then his own daughter asks Benny to kill her father (laughs) by fucking finishing the job. Yeah. She leads Benny with her baby out the door and away from all of the danger. He goes back and actually takes the money and Alfredo's head. Yep. Did you notice that? Yep. And he is quietly and safely led away by the daughter he gets into the rental car that he had earlier and makes a run for it slams right through the gate but all of the men end up coming right there to the gate after he crashes through they start unloading all sorts of 45 acps and automatic fucking weapons of all sorts i think i saw a couple uzis and shit yes something like that there's a lot of heavy armament benny is taken down in a hail of fucking bullets and shot dead Torn to fucking pieces. But his mission is complete, and this is all Benny needed to do in life, so roll credits. God 
damn, this is an amazing fucking movie. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> Another I really love good the, movie. I love this film, yeah. Multiple reasons why this is my favorite of all of the Sam Peckinpah films that I have seen so far, because I will admit mm-hmm. I've not seen them all, obviously, is everything that we've discussed in this film. And watching it at a very young age, I actually caught this at like... 14, I think it was on one of the cable channels. Like this was back when Encore first came out and was playing specifically like 20 years old and older films. You know, that's how I caught a lot of these great classic films and what made me a fan of these kind of movies. And this fucking movie rocked my world the first time I saw it and really kind of gave me an appreciation of uh, Western and Western style tales and made me kind of look differently at them. Um, I think it's a great gateway for that. I think the violence in it is amazing. Not all the time to Sam Peckinpah's slow motion gun shooting and violence play out and work for me every single scene of violence in this film works i think it's perfection i don't think that it ever got any better than this yeah I, I think it's his finest shot film. I think it's his finest made film. And I also think that the story resonates with me really, really well. The dark tale that's being told really kind of makes you evaluate what it is that's important in life because he had more than enough opportunity. He had a woman who wanted him regardless of how much of a loser he was. Yeah. And he foresaw all of that in the effort of just getting a little bit of money and ended up losing everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a wonderful morality cautionary tale. Yeah. Of don't be a drunk loser playing piano in a bar trying to no, go no, get ahead. No, no, do that. <laughs> Just when two guys in a suit come in, maybe don't take him up on their offer to you know kill a guy. Take the thousand dollar finder's fee to tell them that he's in a cemetery in such and such a town yeah. because he died earlier in a car crash, and, and then, then take that thousand dollars and get a good weekend away with your wife. Yeah, or girl at the time. Girl. Your wife. Yeah. Give him a snap of the fingers, maybe a little shooter there, and say, "See you later, guys." I almost want to refer to it as a dark tale of attempted redemption. He's such a sad character. He's someone who it's very easy to pity. But at the same time, when you look at Benny over the course of the entire film, of course, you spend so much time with him. You begin to empathize with him and you certainly understand where he's coming from and what he's attempting to accomplish. But the grim reality is that he's not really built to succeed no matter what leg up he has. And in this, he really does have a leg up. He's got insider knowledge that's going to net him, you know, five figures if he can just complete this task. But what he has to do, I mean, I think it can best be summed up in this great quote from uh, Peckinpah himself about the film. He said, uh, this is the story of a man caught up in the brutality of the world around him who loses all sense of morality with one act of violence begetting another until there is no return to respectability, only retribution. The lasting theme of the film is is that such acts only end in disaster for those involved. And that sums up the the thing that we all know before the credits even are close, which is there's no way for him to do any of the things he's going to have to do and have this end well. He has some good intentions, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's another quote within the body of the film, something Benny says that I felt just stuck with me forever. Every time I watch this movie, this is a line that stands out. He says, um, I've never been any place I ever want to go back to. That's the statement of a man who feels his life has been wasted. 
who's never experienced anything that he cares to repeat. That's a sad man, whether he realizes it or not. That's the statement of a man with no real love of life because he's just existing. Yeah, it's almost as though Benny himself really had no purpose. He had no direction and he was waffling about. And the more he tried to find a place where he fit in, the less he was comfortable because he had to come to terms with who he was as a person that he didn't like. And when he finally found who he was, it was only in the purpose of this death quest because his ultimate goal was to die taking out the men who caused the death of the woman that he loved and the final person that he would have to take out even if he escaped here was going to be himself yeah that way that he drives off and leaves the compound like he does i think he was purposely drawing attention because he knew that's how it was going to end for him he wanted to die and that was the reason he made the choice that he did i was completely surprised that he picked up the money when he left it's almost as though he was going to possibly, in his brain, use the money to correct all the wrongs of everything that happened with Alfredo because of all of this. Or maybe it was because I want the money because I went through all of this. And if I'm going to make it out, I'm going to get the money. You know, <laughs> like he's going to escape to the next thing if he survives. And there is no happy ending for Benny at all. The only choice that we have is to watch him die of almost heroic death, but it should have been him getting taken out while he's taken out the guys in his last breath that he has he uses the gun to kill the jefe you know and like he finally closes it out but he doesn't yeah. even get that kind of a glorious death he gets gunned down like a dog by the remaining guys because he killed their boss like he doesn't even get a glorious noble death he doesn't use his last dying breath to take out the man who inadvertently caused the death of his love yeah. He doesn't get that because that's not Benny. No. Benny gets his revenge. It's the hollow. Hell bullets is how he goes yeah, out. Yeah. It's hollow. It's empty. He gets no meaning in his life. It's been short. It's been violent. And he gets the thing that he thought he always wanted, but then he also ends up losing everything and ultimately makes the choice where he goes to the afterlife. And I guess he's going to find out if you can take it with you. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> well, two things I'd like to point out about the end of this picture is one, um, we've talked about how Peckinpah wrestled with his own feelings about women. And, you know, he's been talked about as a misogynist. And there are certainly misogynistic characters and misogynistic actions that take place within the bodies of his stories. But it's something he always wrestled with in his own private life. And it's something that he's obviously working out in movies like this. But there's that beautiful moment. We didn't draw attention to it, but the woman who plays uh, El Jefe's wife, I don't know if she even has a line of dialogue in the film, but when she sees that... <laughs> He's been killed. There's this incredibly brilliant, just brief shot of her as she gets this very tight grin on her face and then very quickly suppresses it. And it's just a moment when it shows this is this woman's out. This is the only way she was ever going to get out from underneath this bastard who she sat and watched without ever saying a word. But you can watch her face in the sequence when her, her daughter is being tortured to get Alfredo Garcia's name. And it's one of these wonderful, subtle, silent performances showing you these women and the things they have to go through silently just to live in this masculine world. would like to point out that it's a toxic masculinity that we're dealing with here. And I, th I think that's something that Peck and Paul is struggling with without even knowing the term or knowing what we would phrase it as now. And it's something that I've had to work through in my own life, I have to admit, of, you know, always being Mr. Macho and all that horse shit and what it's supposed to represent and who you're supposed to be. And uh, it's, a, it's a journey. And, you know, 
watching the film for, through that lens of, of seeing it in myself as I'm trying to develop and grow from being the beast that I was to an actual human being, uh, seeing it in these films, it, it makes it that much more powerful. And by the end of it, with what we have and what we've been talking about, where Benny didn't realize what he had until it was completely gone and he loses Alita, it just makes you realize, like, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, dude, just fucking kill these bastards, get the money and go, you know, or get the head and just fucking leave her behind and just do this shit, you know, be a man and just do it. You know, don't, don't make a fucking day trip out of it with your woman because she knows where it is. <laughs> you know, like all the bullshit thoughts that I would have had watching it as a younger man, watching it now, I'm like, no, this is, this is something he wants to share with her because this is how they're going to have this new life that he's trying to promise her. And it's the only way he can show her that he can actually do something, you know, and like he's trying to, again, the toxic masculinity, but like show her that he can be a man who can take care of her he's not just some guy that's going to live off of her and stuff and yeah it's to show that he can be a protector and a provider which is you know the standard vision of what a man must be right you know, you can't be the one who takes a bubble bath. You, that's not you. That's not that's not how <laughs> men work, you know? Like, you, you can't sew. You can't, you know, cook. You can't clean. You can't do all this because that's not man's work. A man provides. A man protects. A man attacks. A man is rage. You get three emotions. Anger, <laughs> rage, and hatred. Why do I feel like we're, like, in Court's dad's den? And we're seeing court's I'm dad not repeating things court. that my father has said to me. That is not happening. All right. Nothing could be my father from the truth, Oh, Matt. God. Are you getting another tattoo? <laughs> I didn't say that was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> did you talk, buddy? No. Actually, yeah. you know what? Let's do some psyop news. We're going to take right. a break yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. We're going to play another promo for a podcast here. We'll have a little bit of music. When we come back, we will do the psyop news. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight. The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black beamer, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Two, three, hey! speaks to me, Court. I bet it does, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's like they fucking wrote it about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'd like to have speak to me, Matt? What's that? Give me some psyop news. This 
winner just came from Chris Mounts. So <laughs> oh, cool. I'm giving, I'm giving him <laughs> all the props for this because this is awesome. From the New York Post, teen swears off kinky sex after ex-girlfriend in cloud makeup stabs him. Everyone will be coming on my face. <laughs> well, that, that would probably make him stop that, too. <laughs> Most nights, teenager Kerwin Bewick wakes up terrified, screaming and drenched in sweat. Afraid of vaginas? Well, after the girlfriend, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, see why. Yeah. <laughs> Believing he is being stabbed by somebody he loves. This I night. have the most confused direction right now. Okay, yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> This nightmare is not sparked by some gory horror movie, but a shocking real-life attack. This is like traces of death fucked a porno. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> the 18-year-old is lucky to be alive after a sex game with ex-girlfriend Zoe Adams took a sadistic turn. If you want a fear boner. Apparently he did. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Days after... It's gonna <laughs> cost you some serious cock. Probably. Days after Bewick had moved into her apartment, Adams walked into the bedroom, her face painted like like a cloud. He put a pillow over his head, whispered, trust me, and then stabbed him five times with a 10-inch knife. Fuck! She had hit it on the side of the bed. Jesus Christ! What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. That's the scariest shit ever! Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. Well... <laughs> Or give a stab, I guess. Yeah, apparently. Oh Jesus God, Christ. I hope she could take a punch if she could be stabbing people. <laughs> you know what I feel about this whole entire thing, Matt? But this is not the sickness with which I am down. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. I think this is the sickness exactly in which with you are down. Christ, let's go lick some assholes. But that right. sickness? Yeah. No, not at all. Let's do it. <laughs> anyway, in May, 19-year-old Adams, who is obsessed with serial killers and male sacrifice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, so this is his girlfriend who dressed up like a clown and stabbed him. Yes. She's obsessed mm. with serial killers and male sacrifice. Yes. Mm. Uh, no warning flags on that at all, dude? No. You're obsessed with serial killers and all sacrifice. Don't you think you know, Bev should have some warning signs? No, I would never sacrifice the woman I love. Let's see. Well, he probably thought she would never sacrifice the man she loved. Has he ever met a woman? Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, females, please direct your emails to Corsahab. I, I suddenly, I, I gotta go, guys. I don't... Uh... <laughs> Wait, Matt has something to say before you go. You want to do a uh, I just don't want to be around when the women hear this. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You get right back in here, all right? You're with us now, Rod. Welcome oh, to the oh. fucking show. Yeah, you're part of the uh, show now, Rod. The vagina smells like dead body. Oh, Jesus, Matt. Are we offending the ladies Sometimes. enough? <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty sure in the movie they all did. <laughs> Listen, man. All you need is vodka and cigarettes, and the pounds will just come right off. Uh, this right. is all very true. Anyway. Adams was jailed for 11 and a half years after admitting to wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. I'm homosexual. Coming to me! Uh, the judge <laughs> called her cruel and sadistic after the court heard how she had thousands of gruesome images on her iPhone. I'm blowing this dog to show dominance. I think that's going in the spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like they just took your iPhone, Court? What was a woman drenched in blood with the caption, murder is like a bag of chips. You can't stop after one. Another read, I don't think about males unless said male is strapped up and being used as a human sacrifice. Circle you jerk! You should be grateful you're not part of it. Wow, I, I kind of like this girl. I, I think I can kind of see where he, what he was seeing in her. <laughs> see, this is why this is 
Thank God you found like a, a, a nice a girl. A nice like, wholesome girl? Yeah, like yeah. Bev. So are we sure that she's single now? That- <laughs> I think well, she is, and she's looking. However, she just got a new pen pal in court. <laughs> Wait, in court, like while she was on trial no, or you. me? <laughs> But yeah, do you have her address? I, I can mean, probably figure it out. I, I like a lot of her ideas, and I'd like to subscribe to her newsletter. <laughs> I'll, get you, I'll get you some info. Um, no, this woman terrifies me. Yeah, Adams may now be buying bars, but the ordeal still haunts Bewick. Afraid of vaginas? Especially in his dreams. In an exclusive interview with The Sun, he says, I will never explore kinky sex again. He also said this. Hey, bro, I can't get it up. Yeah, probably now. <laughs> there is absolutely no way in the future I'd ever consent to be tied up or anything like that. From now on, it's just normal sex. It's the erection that counts. Thank you, Bo. You're right. Thank you, Bo. Uh, (laughs) Thank God he's here for that. Yeah. Um, I'm pleased uh, with uh, the sentence. It reflects the severity of what happened. I'm not only physically scarred, I'm emotionally scarred too. I've not slept properly since that day, and I'm plagued with bad dreams. Shoot some fucking ropes. You'll feel better. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Well, <laughs> this, should, this should have been the real, the real tip-off. B- what, the warning signs? Bewick was 17 when he met Teen Mom Adams through mutual friends in May 2017. It's the Teen Mom thing. It's being the parent. See? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. They hit it off, and over the <laughs> next... God, do you think? I hope we have no teen parents to listen to us. I'm sorry. 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 <laughs> you know what you did if you're a teen yeah. parent. You know what it is. And by the way, if you've got this far to the show, you know what we're about. <laughs> yes. Yes. At this point, there is no denying it. I'm advocating corpse fucking Don't here. Don't be offended someplace else. <laughs> I'm advocating corpse fucking here. We know. Will you just stop it already? Finger bang a girl with a corpse hand. <laughs> oh, God. <Jeez. laughs> A girl gets terrified enough. Is that a hand of glory? That is a cock. Yes, it's yes. a hand of glory. They hit it off, and over glory the next hole, two months, they would talk every day and spend the weekends together. He said she seemed nice, kind of funny. I liked her, but she was a bit odd and had a dark sense of humor. She joked about hurting her exes. I make money from my sex work. Wait, she joked about hurting her exes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my. This, this, this is the fucking script to audition. This guy is ignoring all these <laughs> warning signs. I just thought she was messing around, but now I know she meant every word. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to laugh at this guy's know, pain, but, but Jesus oh Christ, it's so ridiculous. Beaver recalls how the petite redhead fancied herself a dominatrix and was obsessed with kinky sex. It and, always comes back to dick. Yeah, pretty much. In particular, tying up men. She would beg him to be her guinea pig. Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? After being tied up. Yeah, probably. (laughs) He says, I used to tell her no. It wasn't really my cup of tea, and I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Pulling it just to pull it. Yeah, right? (laughs) 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 Why did Steve to really go right there? It was really that well. That's nice. That was well played. That was good. You're welcome. That was a good job. He says, he says, he says, okay, as he got to know her better, he could see how Adams reveled in violence and gore. You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Yeah, I don't think I'd trust her. I wouldn't trust her for that. Yeah, stay away from that, Fancy. Yeah, come on, yeah. Fancy. Uh, but never suspected what a danger she posed. Basically says, a cock meat sandwich. <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How is that so well played? Uh, I'm on it tonight with these. uh, I know. These clubs are working out. Yeah. Uh, He says, one time she told me about a dream she had about a friend's ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend. Blood jizz. Yeah. In the dream, his throat was slit and she was naked on top of him. Covered in cum blood. His new girlfriend was nude and hanging from the rafters above them. It seemed to excite her. She got a kick out of men being in pain. Tears are good lube. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like this story was written for the show. Oh, it's, 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 it has to be. She, maybe she's a fan and she did this just for our show. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I know. I'm horrified I, I just feel thinking so that. Bad. And yet it feels so good to be yeah, this horrible. Yeah, I, good God, we're having a great laugh. America is a bunch of cunts. Right? Okay. <laughs> Another time she showed me a video on her phone of a man in the woods getting his head smashed in by three guys with a baseball bat. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. I could barely look, but she was laughing and said it was cool. <laughs> Shoot some fucking ropes. Oh, God. Christ, Court. <laughs> she, she had a pet snake and loved feeding it live mice. It's micro-penis time. It used to make me recoil watching the animal devour its dinner, but she enjoyed killing. Drop the humongous ball. <laughs> Dude, she's throwing you all the warning signs. That kid must have been hard up for some... The woman contact. These are warning signs. They're not warning signs. They're gigantic screaming demons going, she's going to murder you. Oh my God. You know what, Rod? The heart wants what the heart wants. Don't judge him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Last year, she said, Bewick, uh, the message said, he did not think about men unless they were being used as human sacrifice. It's like a sprinkler going He's, off. He says, I thought that was Zoe just being Zoe. I'm not volunteering for the blood gum. <laughs> well, then you would not interest her, my friend. I got oh. a terror, and the only solution <laughs> is cock. <laughs> Well, often I'm said, out of clips. We've used them all. She <laughs> often said weird things, and although she was into kicky stuff, I didn't think she actually meant it. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. Corpse fucking. Just three days before the attack on July 29th, 2017, Bewick moved into Adam's apartment. On the fateful day, the pair spent their time shopping before going home to drink vodka and hang out. And there's a lot of weighing around. Apparently she severed it and kept it in jars, and he didn't notice. Oh, God. Adam smoked weed, too. He recalls how she asked him, what will you let me do with you tonight. Will you let me tie you up? Bewick says, I told her no. Uh, I, I felt, make money from my sex work. I felt ill all day and the booze was helping, so I went upstairs to bed after being sick. He woke to find... Okay, Sanai's already sick, too. He I woke, think she drugged him. Maybe. He <laughs> woke to find Adam standing in the doorway, barefoot, her face painted in creepy cloud makeup. She asked, <laughs> does this scare you? He said Zoe had painted large diamond shapes around her eyes and a red Joker smile. I told her she was <laughs> wow. freaking me out and to wash it off, but she just stared at me, smiling excitedly. Ooh, is that me God, I'm starting to get like nightmare fuel out of this. <laughs> this is turning me on. <laughs> she stayed like this for a few minutes before she slowly backed out of the doorway. And I'm going to fuck it to death. The day before? <laughs> Bewick had told Adams how seeing a barefoot clown was his worst nightmare. Why would you, Why tell would you even person? tell a woman like that? Oh, my God. My HPV Listen, will cure what ails you. I'm not saying this guy had it coming, but he's starting to really fall on the wrong side of the Darwin scale. All right. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I feel so horrible for this guy, but I kind of have to agree with you. I'm just saying, man, you're fucking, what are you doing? And, mister, if you're a listener to this show, first yeah. of all, I'm very sorry We're that you listen to this show. Yeah, yeah. But, dude, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus Christ. All right, she had replied, a barefoot clown, the ultimate Kyrian killer. Uh, fucking. I guess that's a guy's name. Yeah, probably. He dismissed her. He he dismissed her clown makeup as a sick joke. He could not have been more wrong. I think Adams, that's going in the spank bank. Adams later returned armed with duct tape and a condom. Afraid of vaginas. <laughs> 
Duct tape and a condom? Leave that line alone, man. That's great. She, she, <laughs> reverse rape kit. I know, man. She Clip. took off her... <laughs> she took off her top and wearing nothing but boxers, climbed into bed and cuddled him. Again, she begged Bedwick to let her tie him up with the tape and became moody when he refused. So he agreed to have his face covered with a pillow to spice up the sex. He uh, says... Okay... Yeah, God. He says he was stroking my chest and asking questions like, do you really love me? Do you really want me? And my phone went off, so death. she took it and put it down the side of the bed. I thought she was trying to read my messages as she still had her hand down there. Now I know she was holding the knife. I took the pillow off to see what was happening, and she said, trust me, and put it back over my face. Second later, seconds later, she was stabbing me. Blood poured out of uh, Bewick's wounds as Adams plunged a 10-inch blade into his chest, arm, and leg. It's crime scene sex. His fingers still bear scars. <laughs> of defensive wounds from when he battled to save his life. He recalls, I didn't feel any pain. I just heard my lung pop and felt blood gush out of me. Jesus my adrenaline Christ. was pumping and I was in shock. <laughs> I would say. God damn, this got dark fast. Yeah. describing it for Jesus. you. Jesus. Despite his terrible injuries, Bewick managed to get away from his attacker. At the front door, he turned and saw Adam standing in the kitchen naked, staring at him. In one hand, she held the knife dripping with his blood. Holy fuck. This is a fucking horror movie. He recalls, yeah. I asked her why. She said, I don't know. do 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 Bewick ran to her aunt's house nearby and said, Zoe stabbed me. He was taken to a nearby hospital where he had emergency surgery. He spent the next 10 days in the hospital fighting for his life. He had a collapsed lung and got pneumonia. He also had deep wounds to his arm, leg, and fingers. He said, when I woke up, I was asked the nurse if it was going to be okay. It was a huge shock. I had wires and tubes coming out of me. Adams claimed he had blacked out after all the alcohol and cannabis and had no recollection of the attack. Oh, sure. Wank, wank. Yeah. Uh, but the court did not believe her version of events, and judge told her you had decided to cause serious harm to Mr. Bewick during sex. Basically a cock meat sandwich. Bewick is now trying to rebuild his life and is studying law, psychology, and history and is dating a 17-year-old he met at college. A 17-year-old? Well, I think he's close to that age, yeah. too, but... He was 17 when he started dating yeah, this girl. Yeah, and this is back in 2017, so... I mean, <laughs> not wanting to name his new girlfriend, he says she's kind and sweet, nothing like Zoe. She comforts me when I've had nightmares and, and wake up dreaming she's stabbing me. Always looking for Wang. Even though I know she never hurt me, I still dream it. I care about Zoe and couldn't understand if she could do this to me. I believe she intended to kill me that day, but I'll never know why. Pulling it just to pull it. Uh... She's uh, had a huge impact on my life, but I refuse to let her win. She nearly took my life, but I won't let her take my future. So no feeling can be overlooked. <laughs> and there's God a picture damn. of uh, our murderer. So if you want to go to our Facebook page, it yeah. just look for her, that. Her picture's on the main part of the yeah. article there, yeah. too. It goes from being kind of funny and, yeah. and really Until easy you describe to describe it. And then you realize the ordeal the guy went through, and then you feel guilty for laughing and all that other but shit. I don't, because. You do? Number <laughs> yeah. Newsflash, court has feelings. <laughs> ha ha. I'm going to cut that part out. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Look, you run Barter Town. It's fine. Ooh, can we can we bring ourselves out of this funk and close out the show now? Yeah, I'm not even in a funk, man. That was funny. <laughs> I'm no hilarious. <laughs> We're going to take another break here. We'll play one more promo for a podcast. We'll have a little bit of music. And when we come back, we will close out this weird-ass show. Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. 
I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary, I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? song speaking to you there Matt. yes it is of course <laughs> the drunk driving all the, man all the songs tonight have, have, have <laughs> spoken to me in a very personal real sense you're gonna have to listen to the episode after it's edited later because i'm gonna throw in uh liquor store from local boys the killigans which is definitely your theme song yes when i met you earlier in life that was definitely you before you got your shit together yeah it was <laughs> pretty much i lived a hardcore life <laughs> it's amazing to me that you survived and didn't get stabbed to death by a woman in clown makeup me too <laughs> ditto for me <laughs> <laughs> me three specific all three of us should have been killed by a woman in clown makeup but we got lucky particularly a redhead in clown makeup because yes. that could have so happened it, to all three of us all three of us that yeah. could have happened to all yeah. that could have been so easy and for some of us it may still be up in the air speaking yeah, of broad how's it going with your podcast buddy <laughs> <laughs> it's going very well we're still chugging along uh, doing uh, universal 1940s films and uh, well just a lot of other things on the uh, on the burner so just keep tuned in we've got some odd stuff coming down the pike that's for bloody pit i take it oh most assuredly the uh, the spanish horror stuff will crank back up on the nashy cast feed here very soon all they have to do is just do a quick search for both because the bloody pit of rod will either get you your blog or will bring you to the feed for the podcast and then the oh, nashy cast is on your, your blog there as well yeah you can uh, find everything from the bloody pit of rod you can uh, look down the right side and you can actually play episodes of both shows right there off the page or follow the links to all of the stuff that all podcasters have all of our stuff that is actually in the group there you'll actually see rod post there as well uh blog posts your episodes and various shows whenever they do get released and as well whenever i'm listening to it i'll post it there so one way or another you're going to be able to find that feed but in the immortal words of ricky from hail ming just google it you bastards <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't found us by googling us you can find us legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops after that news story I don't know. Nah, you should still fucking find us and listen. It's all good. 
We got a Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, where you can post some of the darkest, most twisted fucking news stories that we're more than likely going to read on the air and make inappropriate comments about. And laugh about. <laughs> and if the people whose snow stories are ever about ever listen to us. They're we'll... laughing at your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. yes, we are. That. You can find me on Facebook. I am Court PsyOps. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt PsyOp. If you found the plank that says brutal and looks all jaundicey, you found the drunk driving man. <laughs> I don't drink and drive. <laughs> you just drink and I drive and drink. I drink. I drink and lift, or I drink and roll. In which you know, you just kind of like how you roll down a hill. I just do that. You can email feedback to Matt and tell him that his jokes aren't funny. Psyopmatt at gmail dot com. <laughs> you can you. you can email feedback to Court and tell him to lay off the fucking baby jokes and killing babies. <laughs> CinemaPsyopsCourt at gmail dot com. Do you be killing babies or killing baby jokes? Joking about killing babies and killing uh, okay, jokes about babies. The way you said it. You know, you might want to rethink that because it made it sound like people were sick of you killing babies. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of the above. Every time I take a shower, Matt, I kill thousands. <laughs> you can... Oh. <laughs> You can twit a couple of tweets, do a couple of twats of your favorite shots of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. Yeah, I classed it up there a little bit. Yeah, he did. All right, Rod, thank you so much for joining us once again to cover a wonderful film made by Sam Peckinpah. Thank you for having me again. We're going to have to do this again in far less than two years, man. We're going to have to put you on the short list for year four for sure. <laughs> yeah. No problem. All right, folks, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this crazy-ass fucking episode. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. That guy with the cross on the corner of 12th Street and Q Told me I'm going to hell I said, buddy, I'm no worse than you to chat more but I'm late for my movie don't you have better things to do uh, today it's gonna be a good day no 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 he was a little lighter than you oh okay well hang on let me adjust him a little bit yeah adjust me how was that oh. <laughs> uh, now he's closer and I feel less comfortable <laughs> perfect that's, that's exactly where you need to be we want you to live there for a bit <laughs> that's how we're gonna do this show keeps it fresh she gets two hits, one to the face and one to the ground. This is so hilarious. Earlier this week, before I even saw the movie, I saw a oh, meme. No. I saw or I saw a reaction gift and somebody had posted on Reddit. It was like my reaction when like such and such happens. And it was that it was a gif of that scene where he like grabs and he, he, <laughs> he elbows her, her in the face. Elbow. I wow. forget now what the actual title was, but I was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. I know.
Ray is right here. Will you be nice to him? Rod, by the way. Why did they say Ray? Because you're you. I don't know. That's interesting. I know. You're the Benny of the show without all of that, you know, talent for killing people baggage or having single minded I do have a talent for killing people. I just don't use it. Your talent is to get other people to drink themselves to death. Yes. That's how you kill people. That is by just talking to them. It's really amazing. Yeah, I can see that because, God, I need a drink just being around you. The only thing separates me from being a drunk piano player in Mexico is... The talent of being able to play piano. I don't even think I need that. I could learn it. <laughs> no, you really can't. I could. All right, so... <laughs> dirt <can> learn things. <laughs> I just need someone to believe in me. I really don't think you can learn anything at this stage. I could at this stage, definitely. You are so tone deaf, though. Music is not something you're going to be able I to I can pick never up. sing. I could, I could definitely play piano, but I could never sing. Maybe you could do the technical part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I could play it. I just can't sing <laughs> Whatever. It. That doesn't fucking matter. It's all, all right. an I'll take anyway. Just say it. <laughs> all right, so... Oh, my God. This is like listening to two people who are fumbling around in the dark trying to find some <laughs> skill set that they might be good at. <laughs> <laughs> I could play do that please. yeah well i can tell you this matt won't be able to do it no matter how much denial he wants to be in i could learn how to play the piano if i put my mind to it <laughs> yeah but you never will <laughs> no well, that's true now we're just wasting time yes we are <laughs> if you already know there's a dead body you shouldn't take that long to decapitate it you know what i mean oh no i can actually remove all sorts of joints very easily with like a fucking paring <laughs> knife and just a matter of uh, uh, if this movie was like um, court if Court found out about this and it was this movie, this movie been over in like 10 minutes. Yeah. I would have been you know, like... In the realm of learning way too damn much about fellow podcasters, this one's pretty top of the list. <laughs> what? I know how to debone people pretty easily because they're no different than pigs and cows and I'm really just digging it deeper, aren't I? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> Your erection is also massive right now, so I'm happy for you. Clip! Yep. <laughs> I don't care Rod was laughing the whole time over top of that. I don't care. We're using it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was talking to Rod. Probably. I guess well, that's, that's one of the weirder things about this movie. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Thank God for editing. Are you going um, through the change? <laughs> yes. Um. Well. Well. I, I changed, and now I'm changing back. So. <laughs> Let the man talk. Go ahead, Rod. Especially in, in, we're in Mexico, yeah. there's no car insurance. Come on. <laughs> no. There's probably not even licenses to drive in a lot of these Pretty places. Pretty much if one of those kids places. dies, it's just like, oh, no, James. Anyway, off for another day. Wow. What? <laughs> You're saying the parents don't care about their kids? I I'm saying back in the <laughs> 70s, no. I'm saying now I don't care about your kids. <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> just put the kid's head under the tire and get on with the rest of your life. Holy jeez. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be laughing at this. No, you should. It's good. Yeah, you should. What's wrong with you? <laughs> more feels like Benny's like, well, why the fuck am I even with you then? You apparently love this corpse more than me, so. Clip. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's a pretty good clip. Because you do love a few That's corpses perfect. more than you love me. <laughs> I love actual children more than I love you. Oh my god. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah, I actually care about kids more than I care about you. That's gross. <laughs> that aren't even my fucking you should, relatives. That's cruel. How you should take that you. back. Yeah. <laughs> How fucking dare you lie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Matt, on the hierarchy of things that I hate, you're probably number three. Number three? Yeah. Ooh. Fuck you, I'm way higher than three. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get to work. <laughs> yeah, you gotta work on that, apparently. God, did I really write it this way? And heads off. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know what? Oh, what? Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold move. Good for you. Okay, let's let's do a clean one on that. Are we ready? All right, all right. 
the head man looking for it. Head man. Head looking for that head. Was it all just a plan? Get yourself a man. When you're down on your luck, you need someone to touch. Drunk and lonesome again. Who said memories are friends? Drunk and lonesome again. Back where it all began. Solo. Some people are born to repeat All the mistakes of their past But then bad luck like her Never does seem to last And if I ever want to find another Another's just like you Know just what to do A combination of the two Drunk and lonesome again Who said memories are friends Drunk and lonesome again Back where it all began Whether it was a crab or a scab, it's all bad to be pulling it off of your member. Booty juice, booty juice, gotta have it now. All kinds of things you don't want on your dick. Why the fuck am I even with you that you apparently love this corpse more than me? Way more commitment that a corpse can give her. <laughs>